That's right, guys. It's another episode of your favourite WCW podcast, the Nitrogen Podcast, with me, Marvelous Mark Ashworth, and bodacious Brian Bradshaw. And I'm intrigued today to find out what Brian's opinions are, not only on Nitro number 47, going down on the 5th of August in uh, 1996 in Orlando, Florida, back at Disney, again, with an attendance of 450 people, but he's got a new environment. And I want to know all the ins and outs, as, as you guys will as well, because he's going to sound so much more relaxed, comfortable, and, well, it's just going to sound better in general. So so take it away, Brian. Let us know what's been going on in your life the past couple of weeks, because you've been a busy Brian Bradshaw. <laughs> yeah, you say relaxed. I could easily fall asleep right now, I must be honest. Um, <laughs> outside of work, I have been updating the studio that I, that I started... Uh, Started putting it together when I first moved into this house, which is located in the loft. Um, it's, it was a, I won't say nicely converted loft, it was a, it was a fucking shithole. <laughs> uh, and I painted it, and then was like, yep, ready to go, you know, new carpet down, thinking, yeah, just uh, get furniture as I go along, and it'll be looking fine. Uh, I ended up having a few leaks, uh, and also the, the paint that I bought started to crack, so it were... It was very flaky, it, were, it, it just did not look right, I wasn't really happy with it, and for the last, I'd say, last three months I've been recording this in my living room, and it's not not the, not that my living room's bad, it's a very nicely decorated living room, but you just don't get that studio feel, if you know what I mean. I mean, you'll know what I mean, because you've yeah. got a studio in your own house, and yeah. uh, you know, when you've done, been doing this for a while, you, you, you kind of want to be professional, you want, want an environment that is purpose you know, the fit for purpose for this, you know. So, outside of work, over the last three weeks, I have been nicely painting and wallpapering. Uh, yeah, you know you know what DIY is, guys, and all that. And I've got a nice new studio, and I've got a big-ass comfy seat in here as well. I've even got a nice comfy seat for Mark. Not as big as this one that's sitting in right now, yeah. I admit, but it's a nice comfy seat, uh, comfy seat for when we're able to do this in person. And... Uh, God, it's been so fucking worth it, and I'm looking forward to feedback on the the audio sound of this because I haven't got soundproofing form up, uh, but I'm hoping that the furniture that I've got in here, the rug, the chairs, all that, will just soak up a bit of the echo. Yeah, head over to at Brian Talks Crap until the next time he changes his Twitter handle, and of course you can hit him <laughs> up on Instagram. I'm not sure is it is it it's your name without the vowels, is it? Still on Instagram. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, you'll be able to see what an awesome job he's done there. And I did see the second chair actually, and I thought, yeah. <laughs> it, you know what? It's actually comfier than this chair. Oh, but I can, okay. yeah, it's it's deeper. It's got a deeper cushion to it. Um, but I like to spread my legs out a little bit, and if I feel like my legs are dangling over the head ends i i just don't feel comfortable yeah so yeah i can actually just like spread my legs out on this one no problem it really depends on what your your comfort tastes are you know comfort tastes i don't even know if that's the correct term for this I to be honest think, with you i don't think that's right to be honest but yeah no yeah, but, but we get what you mean you painted a picture that's for sure yeah uh, it, it depends on how you like to relax them i know some people like to cross the leg over put the leg over on top, top of the other you know or just sprawl out legs you know stretched out as far as possible me um I'm a simple guy, ass on the seat, legs apart, I'm fine. Yes, he's a slight man-spreader, he's not a full man-spreader, and I'm the complete opposite, I'm a leg, I'm a leg crosser, I, I can't lie, my balls hate me, but it's just it's just comfortable, right leg always goes over the left leg, and that's what that's what I feel comfortable doing uh, in, in this studio, I don't really... I don't really have the space to do it, to be honest. Otherwise, I'd be kicking the table, and, well, <laughs> th- that'd get picked up on the microphone, which nobody wants to hear. Um 
but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting in there. I'm getting, getting uh, looking forward to getting in there and, and cracking a beer open with you and christening it proper style. But officially, oh, yes. after all the work that you've done to it, this would be the official um, popping of the cherry in there, wouldn't it? Really, with the new, the new version of the uh, Danger Zone. Itself. The Danger Zone. That's uh, that. That wasn't a, a phrase uh, I coined. Uh, I know I mentioned it on the podcast before, but it wasn't what I coined. It was actually what a workmate coined for me. He just goes, "Oh, you're going to call it the Danger Zone." And I'm like, actually, that's a really fucking good name for it. That person's just wasted at Sainsbury's, let's be honest. (laughs) If they're coming up with stuff like that, they need to be in something else in the marketing department of of somewhere beyond Sainsbury's. Maybe even the marketing department of Sainsbury's, who knows? Yeah. Well, to be fair, actually, he he, uh, made a pub in his own, like I said, pub, he's got his own bar converted into his garage and he called it the COVID arms, so... Ah, yes. So there you go, like, he's, he's got a... He's got a push on for coming up with really witty names, and he's been calling me dangerous ever since I started there. So, you know, it, it works. The danger zone. I like it, you know. And I even said, uh, uh, I don't know if I said this on there or off there, but to you, like, I, I probably, you know, like, you know, uh, those birthday cards, the celebrity cards, it's got like a, a, a little sound mechanism mechanism inside. Yes. And that when you open, they play a song or something like that. I should have that on my door, and uh, when I open when I open the door, it just goes highway to the danger zone, and it kind of works because I've got steps because I'm going into the loft as well, like you know. So love it. Yeah, that is. That is I, I don't, I'm pretty sure you can get custom ones. So so yeah, <laughs> we'll have to see if we can get all of a, a custom sort of uh, opener, if you like. Um, yeah, I'm looking for. I'm looking forward to getting in there and, and recording a podcast in there. And to be honest, when you were saying about sound quality, the one thing that I said to you last week, and we do, we talk back and forth about these sorts of things every now and again because we listen to other podcasts out there. Of course, we're supportive of many other podcasts out there. Uh, you know, our, our friends uh, there on Twitter. You know, Glenn has his own podcast, and we do listen to that. Although I I, I don't listen to it as regularly as I should do. But uh, I do listen to it on and off, and obviously Gary and Jed's uh, wrestling podcast, when that makes a return as well, I, I listen to that a lot. And of course, listen to um, Eric Bischoff's and so on and so forth. But when it comes to audio quality, I, I and without being disrespectful to, uh, disrespectful to anybody else out there, our quality does seem to be um, up there, especially in particular when you're comparing it to, to Conrad's. And I said this to you last week, didn't I, about him and Jeff Jarrett. So Jeff Jarrett's new. Oh, it's done over hell. Zoom, and we don't do it over Zoom because there's a cutout now when so when brian interrupts me or i interrupt interrupt brian you can hear both of us whereas when conrad and jeff jarrett it's always conrad's voice over jeff jarrett's because jeff jarrett's just sort of fades out because of the distortion from zoom so those are the pitfalls to to doing this those are the pitfalls to zoom we do it a completely different way um and we hope that that translates across as well I mean, this was actually one of the very first discussions we had about the podcast. It's yeah. like we we wanted the audio quality down straight away. Yeah. And I don't know when you're starting a podcast, you can't really expect to have the highest quality. You kind of like build up to that. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's like you you start as your means to go on. Uh, again, it's not criticizing any other, anybody else's podcast or things like that. You know, you you, got, you do find yourself when you find yourself on a budget as well. You want to just get like a cheap mic and. Yeah, do everything as cheaply as possible yeah. and dive in and you know and, and just steadily get to that point for me like if, if it's not at the tip top quality right from the off I, I i'd find myself i don't know uncomfortable with it you know yeah. which was yeah. the, which is why i i i got a, a snowball mic initially and and then i moved on to the to the creme de la creme of podcast mics uh the the yeti uh the blue yeti not the yeti 
I can't uh, believe you didn't even say it yet here. <laughs> I know, I, I'm not as sharp as I usually am. I need to crack open this beer, Mark. I really do. All right, you've got a beer. Okay, all right. Well, we'll lead into oh, that yes. in a moment then. Um, but yes, absolutely. Uh, I completely agree with what you're saying there. Our first episode, uh, unfortunately, as much as we tried, and we tried for hours beforehand, and we just could not get anything to sort of... You sounded perfect. I sounded awful because I ended up using my hands free kit via my phone. Um, we've had discussions about that first episode and we're going to do something somewhere down the line so keep your ears peeled on that one because there's going to be something new at some point in the future we're having discussions all the time here at Nitrogen Podcast HQ and um, yeah we're, we're, we're advancing forward with that one but that one was the, the one and only one that we've really had audio quality problems in and you're probably thinking you could be thinking, um, well, hang on a minute, what are you doing listening to your own podcast? I listen to the podcast to make sure there are no mistakes and there are no problems. If there are problems, then I, I make sure that they're sorted out. Yeah, um, basically what he's saying. For, fucking, for, um, for, what is it, narcissistic reasons or anything like that. It's simply yeah. for quality purpose because Brian is probably much worse than I am in the most respectful way, but perfection perfectionist jesus fucking christ dude i, I am <laughs> or a perfectionist whichever one you want to go for <laughs> uh, i am a perfectionist uh it, i get this at work where people just turn around and, uh, and tell me you're a perfectionist brian you need to like kind of tone it down but i can't i find it very hard to so like when i when i dress the story or facing up as what other people call it yeah. racking is one that i recently heard uh shout out to jared who works at little uh a mate of mine for like half my life now he, he came up with that one uh, a couple of weeks ago he said yeah that's what they call it a little racking it's basically what you're doing is just bringing all the items forward just to present it you make it all presentable at the yeah. end of the day so that's uh, facing up to me that's just yeah. facing up to me we, we, we call it dressing yeah uh, and for me it's like i can't leave gaps obviously some some gaps can't be helped like if, if you're out of items on you know out of a certain item you can't restack it you know, restock it, should I say. Yeah. <laughs> I need this beer, man. <laughs> uh, you know, you end up with that gap and some people just move items into it and it's like, that for me is also a big no-no because like, you're putting items out of place. Yeah. So, you know, I have that battle with myself with things like that. Um, but yeah, long story short, I'm a fucking perfectionist and Mark's a fucking perfectionist, which is probably why we have such a good-sounding quality podcast. Yes, I think so, and I hope that the people out there, again, I hope it translates that way and we don't sound like we're being egotistical or anything like that, but we try our best, just because if you're listening to us, you want to listen to us in the best quality possible, you don't want to be listening to something that's really shoddily done um, when you're, you're giving us your time sort of thing. So, anyway, away from that, uh, we're very happy, uh, and like I said, get over to at Brian Talks Crap on Twitter, you can have a look at Brian's uh, brand spanking new Studio 2.0. Um Next up, I'm going to ask quick, very, very, very quickly, a lot of releases from the WWE today because we've been doing this, you know, once or twice on the <coughs> podcast is, is, is kind of covering the news that's happened over the past week or the last fortnight. Um, and there were some releases in the WWE. I wanted to know if you wanted to talk about them or if you wanted to give me some advice on these people and how good they are or how shit they are. And three quarters of them are female by the looks of it. Um, yeah. And I don't know if this is something that you want to quickly get out of the way before we jump into this episode of WCW Nitro. Yeah, there's only really one that's not worth it. Uh, not worth it to me, uh, and that's the referee Drake. I don't know how you pronounce his surname. I think it's Wurtz. He he was a uh, an indie wrestler before he signed to WWE as a referee uh, under the name Drake Younger. He used to wrestle for places like CCW. He was basically a deathmatch wrestler. That was that was one of these things. Um, this is uh, a release that's been a long time coming, in my personal opinion. I know some other people 
will disagree with me on this and say for what he's been released for um, is quite wrong because people are going to put it down as his political political opinions and things like that. Um, he's not been fired for his political opinions. It's the fact that he's a, he's a troublemaker. Um, he's always peddling conspiracy theories to the uh, to the NXT roster. He's got a few people on board with him. Um, he's champion championing a uh, a child a child trafficking not a child trafficking but anti child trafficking uh, organization which have strong links to QAnon. Uh, say the non for profit, but there's a lot of stories out there that suggest that they aren't non uh, non profit. That they it is basically a front for money laundering, well, money gain, uh, financial gain, whatever you want to call it. Um, but that is not something I can outrightly say is fact or fiction. But I won't believe. I, I won't. I won't be surprised if it actually is a. Uh, a money-making scheme, let's just say. But, uh, yeah, he's got a lot going on, and he's constantly getting himself into some kind of trouble publicly. He hasn't dragged WWE into this until recently, where he was on some kind of, like, video podcast of some sort, where he was wearing the uh, NXE-branded shirts that they have, the staff shirts. Okay. So he's basically brought the company into disrepute now. And this is one of those things that has come up recently where, you know, he's... When it came down to the next batch of releases, he was first on the list. Um, All I'm saying is i got nothing against the guy. Uh, He's a guy that had plenty of drug problems previously and is thankfully overcome them and he's become a born-again Christian and in doing that, you know how some people, when they do become a born-again Christian, they take it to the extreme? Yes, uh, totally. It, it, it's happened to him. He's, he's basically replaced one addiction with another addiction. He, he even said quite recently that uh, one of the best moments of his life was his children getting uh, to see him be baptised, which is quite like above the birth of your children. That is one of, the, one of those things you're going to say is above the birth of your children is them getting to see you being baptised, like they have any idea what that's supposed to mean. Yeah. Like, it It, it just seems a little bit, you know, it, it. it's uncomfortable to talk about, to be honest with you. Like I said, I don't want to bad, badmouth the guy. Uh, I think him losing his job is justified. I'm not celebrating it. I, I'm not that kind of guy. I'm not going to celebrate him losing his job. I think he needs, he needs to kick up the ass and, you know, Somebody to point him into the right direction and just saying, like, look, you know, you, you have good intentions, but what's happening is is that you're you you're being you become gullible and people are taking advantage of you and you need help and he needs help badly. So, you know, um apart from that I've got nothing to say on the matter, just like I, I just hope he I hope he sees sees sense eventually. I hope somebody out there can point him into the right direction. Just like if if this doesn't do it, there's got to be somebody in his life that just say, "Well, come on, Gap, come, you know, come on." Like, just you've got good intentions, but this ain't the way. Hmm. Anything else on on any of the rest of them? Because I've got to be honest. I mean, none of these I've heard of. To be perfectly honest, there was to- about ten of them today. Yeah. Um, Alexander Wolf. Uh, 
I mean, as as sad as it is to say, you know, as sad as it is, really, you know, I think a lot of them were a long time coming. You know, yeah. they weren't really doing anything, you know, so it, it doesn't really surprise me that they, they've been released. The only one that really sticks out is uh, a wrestler called... She she was known by Skyler Story. I think that's how you pronounce her name. Yeah. Uh, she was an independent wrestler called Brandy Lauren. She is... I think she's a girlfriend of... Um, but the hell of his name escapes me <laughs> now. He's an AEW wrestler. People are gonna start tweeting at me. It's like, ah, it's this guy. But you know, um, yeah, she she only signed with the company in October. She's not done anything with them. She hasn't had any TV appearances, and that kind of sucks because she, from what I, from what I've seen is that she's supposed to be like a like one of the, the next top talents in wrestling. That's what people said about her. So the fact that she's not really been given a proper shot is. Uh, Quite sad, really. Hmm. But again, if, if if they have nothing for her, you know, the best thing for her is to to go make money elsewhere. Maybe in AEW with Joey Janela. That's his fucking name. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it just comes to you like that. <laughs> yeah, it it did. And I, I was thinking double J, double J, double J all the time, and I, I knew it was double J, but it's not Jeff Jarrett. Obviously, oh. it's not Jeff Jarrett. But yeah. It, Again, like it's always sad to see somebody get released from the job, you know, WWE, AEW, what have you, you know. But it is what it is. Like if if they've got nothing for you, even it in some confusing, you know, for some confusing reason they have nothing for you. You like the iconics, like they have nothing for you. Let's go make money elsewhere. Yeah, they're not, they're never going to say that. They're always going to go, oh yeah, it's budget cuts because they have to say this, don't they? Yeah, but you know. I think the most frustrating thing about that is the time that's been wasted. So the time that you could have spent, you know, somewhere else, maybe making a name for yourself or something like that, you've kind of waited. I've literally just Googled the girl you were just talking about, uh, Skylar Story, and she was in the WWE or signed to the WWE for a year, maybe a year and a half. So, you know... Not even that. that, that, According to Wiki, it was a year and a half. Wow. Yeah. It was only fairly recent when she signed. She had an appearance at one of the NXT events last year. But, yes, last yeah. October there was an announcement uh, yeah. about her signing, but she she'd been there prior. Yeah, she'd been like had regular appearances, like you yeah. know, there's like so many wrestlers that have that have done that before, where they've they've had basically job matches on TV, yeah. and then they get officially signed further down the line. Yeah, she had like a handful of appearances prior to that, but mm. yeah, she she weren't officially signed. She weren't officially part of the company until October last year. Sometimes it's not the best thing in the world to just jump in straight at the uh, straight at the top. Ask Andrea Pirlo at Juve. It's just not. Um, <laughs> you, don't, you just don't start at the top. Although to be, to be fair, he did win his second cup today, so that ain't bad for a debut season, is it? Um, yeah, it's not bad. No. <laughs> so yeah, um, what are you drinking, Brian? I've got a coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. Coffee at this time, and then you be complaining that you can't sleep, dude. Well, it is what it is. Yeah, you, you, sometimes you need, to be honest with you, I think I should have had a coffee before I came on to work, because I'm bl- t- uh, stumbling over my words somewhat bloody rotten tonight. Maybe once I've had this beer, I'll be all right. Uh, I'm, I ain't going strong, uh, I'm going strong-ish. Uh, I think you're going to be finally happy that I'm drinking this one. It's the American Nightmare Stout by yes. Top Rock Brewery. Uh, yes. It's only 4.5 compared to the ones which have been fairly strong. This is 4.5, so I might need to blade to sell this, like the uh, like <laughs> Cody Rhodes, who it's in tribute of. So, yeah, let's crack this bad boy open. And, uh, again, not a stout drinker, so... 
But I think the, uh, the Halloween Havoc one was a stat, wasn't it? Uh, um, it was, I think, yeah. And I, I enjoyed that. So, yeah. you to be know. honest, again, this isn't a stout for me. It isn't. Really? It's it's more it's 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 less than porter to be honest, just because it doesn't have that texture. You're gonna have to bear with me a sec because it just splattered all over my fucking jeans. <laughs> That's happened like three times in a row now. I'm sure. <laughs> I think they're putting way too much pressure in these cans. <laughs> I have that and just sat waiting to crack it open. I'm, I'm, I'm subconsciously shaking it. Uh, right, let's give this a taste. To be honest, that tastes like an alcoholic Coca-Cola to me. Oh. <laughs> it's that. That's the first taste, though. Like, uh, right, it's kicking in now. Yeah, I see what you mean. It's not very stout like that. No. It's it's way too light for a stout. It's not yeah. it's not bad. It's not, it's yeah. very nice, but yeah, for me, not a stout. It's no. I, I'm when gonna when put... you're looking at a four and a half percent stout, you're looking you're looking towards Guinness, aren't you? And Guinness is thick and creamy. Whereas oh, the top rope, the top rope way of, of doing a stout is much more watery, as as negative as that might sound. So it doesn't put it on the stout level for me. It puts it below porter because porter is usually a lot thinner. Um, I don't know. I think it's probably like a, a a stronger brown ale as weird as that sounds to say especially after a fucking cup of coffee at half past one in the morning but um yeah there's been thicker stouts that they've done so to kind of categorize that as a stout it's a bit it's a bit of a miss for me i don't mind that that as a beer but um it's certainly uh it certainly isn't a stout for me to be honest well i'm having problems all over the fucking shop now because i've just realized there's a slight hole in the side of the can that's where it fucking spurted out I don't know how the fuck that's happened, but it's uh, kind of like dribbled onto my chair and everything. So I'm glad that I'm sitting with my legs apart because otherwise my jeans are going to be stained somewhat rotten and I'm going to have to put the cover of this chair into the wash after this. Great. Always get a glass, dude. Always get a glass. <laughs> Avoid problems like this. <laughs> well, this is the thing. I've got a glass and I was pouring it into the glass when I realised oh. it was pouring out the fucking side of the thing. <laughs> Every, this, every is gonna, podcast. this is going to be a rough ride, guys. <laughs> oh, dear. Are you okay to continue, said the referee to the wrestler. Uh, yes, I just need to dry my hands. Okay. Oh, fucking hell. You're on about, you're doing that, you're on about opening a fucking bar, Mark. Don't hire me if this is, a bloody... <laughs> if this is, if this is what I'm like. I mean, I, I have guys. to hire your mum, don't I? Before anybody, that's I mean that's the the standard. But oh, she could pour a drink. I should fucking hire her for the podcast. Pour my drinks for me. Yeah. <laughs> right. So yes, uh, the fifth of April, nineteen fifth of April, the fifth of August, nineteen ninety six, in Orlando, Florida, at the Disney MGM Studios. Four hundred fifty. Oh, all right. Calm down, Doc Brown. Yeah. <laughs> Great, Scott. Uh, 400, I've said attendance of 450 people maximum, but we're going to put it down to 446 people because as Tony and Larry are going to point out, there are four seats at ringside that have remained empty. They were empty last week and I didn't even notice, to be perfectly honest. They've, they no, neither did I. Emphasised it this I. week. Um, and also, just to note as well, so this would be the fifth week in Disney uh, and Bischoff constantly complains about keeping... TV shows in the same place for extended periods of time. He says this about TNA. He says, I hated the Impact Zone. I hated being there all the fucking time. Dude, you spent five weeks at Disney. You probably shouldn't be complaining about this shit because you did this. Anyway, that's by the by. Next up, we're going to see highlights from last week. Um, 
again they emphasize the four chairs being vacant which um it's obviously... fucking weird it's a weird way to sell a fourth man it is a weird way yeah it, I, i'm sure in 1996 they thought they were being creative with this one but it, it i feel like it was four people who just didn't show up and then they decided well okay that kind of fits so it's kind of coincidental more than anything but i could be wrong i could be wrong they might have um they might have been uh playing on them people not turning up or they might have done it themselves i don't know i have no idea but yeah i agree with that completely uh zabisco announces that wrestlers will handle their own security tonight as well just as meng uh because he cared a lot last week barbarian norton bubba and marcus bagwell all come out to act as kind of like security but i've called them lumberjacks all the way through this because that's essentially what they do <laughs> yeah pretty much uh and that's going to be throughout this entire episode of nitro they're all going to stay there man i could do that job just stand there for two hours and not do anything great yeah, I um, hope they got paid really well. Oh, I'm sure yeah. they did. I'm sure. Yeah, you're they not did. you're not wrestling tonight, guys. You're yeah. the guards. Yeah. So first up, we're going to see the WWE World Tag Team Titles on the line. Uh, the the Rock and Roll Express, Ricky Morton and uh, Robert Gibson. Oh, I've actually noted that Ricky Morton looks like Rod Stewart. So, <laughs> uh, versus Harlan Heat, who are of course of uh, Booker T and Stevie Ray, and the current champions as well, the Colonel Robert Parker and Sister Sherry. Um. And nothing happens in this for ages. <laughs> like, I watched this. Uh, I was almost salivating and not in a good way. Like, I was in a coma uh, because nothing was happening. It was yeah. just like old guys versus young guys, who one of which is not a very good wrestler anyway. And it's just sort of like, this is really hard to watch. Um, we come back from break, and it does pick up a little bit. Rod Stewart goes into the ropes. Um, <laughs> it's, that's just kayfab now. It's Rod Stewart. <laughs> yes, Rod and Rob. Because I think, um, what's the other one called? Robert Gibson, so Rod and Rob. That's just, well, that, it sounds like a WCW tag team name, to be perfectly honest. Well, to be honest with you, I thought like uh, Robert Gibson looks like Steve Buscemi. <laughs> I mean, he does have the lazy the eye, eyes. doesn't he? Yeah, the eyes. Oh, my God. Oh, that's great. There is a tag team you really want. Rod Stewart and Steve Buscemi. <laughs> I don't want him up against Stevie Ray, though. Steve Buscemi against Stevie Ray. It's just going to get fucking confusing really it's uh, going to be like fucking season 4 of the Sopranos with Steve Buscemi all over again he'll end up fucking killed in this match if he's you know if he's up against Willie Stevie Ray because by god he's dangerous yes he absolutely is there's a spot um, there's a spot just after the break actually and I'm going to give Stevie props for this although to be fair I should I should really be giving uh, props to Morton I think so Stevie holds on to Morton as he's in the corner and uh, Morton actually turns around perfectly for Booker T to just, compl- just completely wipe him out with a super kick. Uh, really nice, really fluid. Um, later in the match, Sherry and Robert actually look like they're falling out outside, like talking, to, arguing with each other or whatever, uh, which prompts Booker T to actually get off the apron and tell him to concentrate. Otherwise, they, they risk losing the tag team titles. Um, right. It's not their job to concentrate on the match. It's on you to concentrate the match here, yeah. Booker. Yeah. You know, if you lost the tag titles, it's because you can't fucking concentrate. You're too busy distracted about what they're doing outside the ring. You've got what you. You've not just got one manager. You've got two fucking managers. Like, you must be fucking desperate if you need them to concentrate for you, especially when one of them uh, is, well, from what we know, almost always fucking inebriated. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, to be fair, at this point, she'd actually managed to, to get herself you know, back on the wagon sort of thing. So um, she must be doing all right at this moment in time. But I completely agree with you. You're you, you, you mis- misjudging, or sorry, you, you, you're misguiding what your uh, 
<laughs> what you're preaching, essentially. You're saying that them two should concentrate by not concentrating on the fact that Stevie Ray, your brother, is in the ring and the legal man and he could get pinned at any moment. And then Booker would blame the managers. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Um, but anyway, that's by the by. It's clearly to emphasise the storyline on TV. Uh, back in the ring, Booker misses an elbow drop, but Spinner is straight back up and delivers a sidekick. Um, that was impressive, that. It, it was, and I can't remember the name of the move. I actually went to Google last night, and I, for the life of me, I couldn't remember the name of the move. I was hoping you might be able to sort of enlighten me on it. No, I... <laughs> it's the jumping It's just a jumping sidekick that he does, and he essentially hits you with either his knee or oh, his thigh. Is it, is it not called like, the Harlem sidekick? I don't know. It could be. It I know could that... Be. He did a very similar move to that earlier in the match. Um, Tony Schiavone called it the Harlem sidekick. So right. I, I, unless you mean the jump right from the Spinner Rooney, which is a move in its own, to be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, unless it's something different, I'm going to say it's the Harlem sidekick. Yeah. It's one of his patented moves anyway, and he does have three or four, and he's quite the quite the kick maestro, and he so, um... I, 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 I said it says a lot about Stevie Ray. When he's not the Harlem sidekick, it's Booker T's own leg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stevie, nice play on words Stevie, there. Stevie Ray's the third man in the fucking hot in Harlem heat. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Oh, and I found out the other day that um, Armour Johnson ends up in WCW for a little little stint. And he... Does he tag with Stevie Ray as Harlem Heat 2.0? 2000. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. Yes, he does. And oh, he is my. not in shape. No shit. Yeah, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But fuck me, it's uh, it's certainly not fun, something to look forward to. Right, Stevie Ray and Armad Johnson could be the most dangerous tag team ever. Oh yeah, oh yeah, without doubt, without question. Uh, I'm sure they have a manager as well, but I can't remember who it is. Um, all the while, Vince Russo has no fucking idea what to do with Booker T. Just <laughs> WCW wow. is a mess at that point, like a real mess. I'm shocked. You have no idea what to do with Booker T. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, who would have thought? He was G.I. Bro at that point. It wasn't even Booker. G.I. Bro, oh my G. fucking... G.I. Bro, yep, Vince Russo, yep. Actually, I only have uh, one recollection of G.I. Bro. I have seen him before in the in the camo, uh, camo pants. Yeah. And that's from an episode of Whose Line Is It Anyway? Oh. Yeah, right. He, he doesn't guest on it. Um, for those that have never watched it, there's uh, this game, it's, um, I, th- it, I think it's called News Flash or something like that, where uh, one of the contestants stands in front of a green screen and in the back, there's uh, there's something going on and they have to act like a news reporter, even though they can't see what's going on. So they're getting asked questions and he asked, you know, they have to answer it. It's usually fucking Colin that's doing this. And in the back of this, um, in this one, uh, one episode of... Uh, well, I say one game of news. Uh, Newsflash! It's actually wrestling from WCW, wow. and you do see Booker T uh, in in the back. I remember because he was the only person I fucking recognised. I went, Ah, oh, that's Booker T. Why is he wearing camo pants? <laughs> now Might I know. See that. Now I know why. I'll yes. see. If I, I'll see if I can find it. Oh yes, send me that. Send me that later. I'll have a look at that tomorrow. Yeah, um, one of, I think that's one of three instances of a wrestler being on whose line is it anyway. You know, and this time not willingly, because uh, there was one episode where China, I think she just left WWE at this point, uh, right. she was on, and a couple of years ago Chris Jericho was on there. Ah, excellent yeah. stuff. I'll have to scope that one out. Um, yeah, obviously I've not I've not given a lot of context to GI Bro or to to uh, Big T 
aka Ahmed Johnson and, and Harlem Heat 2000. Obviously, the context will come when we hit the year 2000 and uh, we cover all that in its fucking glorious mess of the Vince Russo era that didn't last even a year. Um, yeah. The glorious mess just sounds like a really shit cake. Like an Etta mess. <laughs> yeah, well, it is. The, the, gl- the glorious mess. Like, ugh. Except the main ingredient is dog poo. Uh, <laughs> that's all you, can, all you can think of is dog poo. Yeah, I mean, it, and that's it, me. It, it me thinking carrots. Yeah, I don't like carrot cake for that reason because I don't like carrots anyway. Like, cut, cut carrots, not a problem, but carrots in a cake, no thank you. Well, I was trying to think of something that's universally hated by 99.9% of the population. Carrots, well, I mean, you're in a minority there, I'm afraid, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Hey-ho. Um, back to this one. Anyway, Gibson gets a hot tag, uh, and I say hot, quote-unquote, because there is zero reaction from the crowd. Uh, <laughs> to, to be fair to them, they, they get the momentum and level Booker, and it's uh, Booker that actually hits the floor, and he's got one of... I think he's obviously got... Um, the other one, Morton. He's got Morton on top of him for a pinfall. Uh, Sherry comes in to try and kiss Morton, but she gets sent out hard, like hard, like really fucking hard. Wait, um, you're saying Morton? That was Gibson. I was it swear. Gibson? I don't yeah, know. Because I Gibson. care not about these two, <laughs> so I've got the names mixed up. I apologise. Um, yeah, Parker, Parker just gets straight up onto the um, onto the apron because he wants to fight his lady's honour, but he gets a fucking right hand and completely fucking falls off. <laughs> uh, Stevie nails Gibson, and then. Uh, yeah, he just uh, so he nails Gibson, but Booker T's the legal man. Is that right? And then Stevie holds on to uh, I've called him Rod Stewart again, and they get the win. It's a bit of a mess. I know I've, I've not described yeah. it well, but I just couldn't. I just zoned out again. Uh, sorry, you say roll. you say you didn't describe it well. That was actually better than the finish. Oh, <laughs> it was that much of a fucking mess. And and that that roll up at the end was one of the worst roll ups I've ever seen. And that's not on Booker. That's on fucking. Robert Gibson, or yeah. fucking whoever, you know, because obviously they're old guys and they can't fucking roll properly like they used to. Yeah. The only the only rolls that they're uh, you know they're good at is the ones that they got on the fucking belly. That's literally it. Like yeah. just, uh, I I do have to ask, like, what kind of swear does Jim Cornette have in the wrestling business at this time that he could get Rock and Roll Express booked consistently because. Obviously, Jim Cornette's in WWE at this time, but he's obviously yeah. he, he, no sh- spoiler. He champions NWA and fucking Rock and Roll Express and the Midnight Express like as the greatest feud of all time. Like, yeah, I mean, th- th- this kind of match speaks speaks for itself. Fucking Rock and Roll Express, they, they are the drizzling shits. Like <laughs> I've never I've never seen a good match on them. I don't get the hype. I, I seriously don't. You know, the, the, even in the eighties, it didn't look great. No, like you know. But they got they they got absolutely atrocious here, and I don't mean just the wrestling; I just mean in general they just don't look good. Like, but anyway, yeah, Jim Cornette, big fans of the Rock and Roll Express. Uh, I'm pretty sure he was the one that was putting, you know, making the calls to whoever to saying like, okay, yeah, Vince McMahon won't take these guys. Uh, can you take them to ECW? Give them a shot. Like, I, what kind of fucking swear does he have? It's ridiculous that these these guys still get bookings. I mean, and then in a couple of years they're in WWE. They're part of the NWA invasion. And surprisingly, they're even worse. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's not <laughs> the older you get. Um, I, I don't know. I have no idea. And there's something... 
I know you said like Cornet champions the NWA as well. They they kind of bring the NWA into the WWF at one point, don't they? Like very briefly. Yeah, the NWA invasion in nineteen ninety eight. That's what I was referencing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I thought you were just talking about like in general Cornets, just sort of like the NWA. You know, this is <laughs> wrestling should go oh, back no. to the NWA days. Oh yeah, that's what he literally tried to do in WWE. Like Fantastic. that. Fantastic. That was the whole purpose of the of the angle. Is like wrestling today sucks, and this is how we do it. Yeah. Your finisher is a fucking double drop kick. <laughs> I mean, I love a dropkick, but that's no fucking finisher. No. Well, he's he's just living the gimmick still, isn't he? Even fucking 25 years on. Um, fair play to him, whatever. <laughs> fair uh, play to him. Fuck off, he's going <laughs> 8.25, uh, 8 minutes 25, Harlem Heat win via pinfall. And yes, yeah. to describe it, it was Stevie Nails Gibson, uh, but then he holds on to Morton and Booker. Um like you said, he, he rolls up fucking Gibson and gets the win. Anyway, next up, we're going to see the Nasty Boys. So this is just going from bad to worse, really, isn't it? Um, they say yeah. Hogan does what he wants, and so do they. Shouting, uh, just incoherent babble to me, again. Just zoning out, because I don't like these people. Can we talk about what Mean Gene is wearing here? He's yeah, got a red that's... tie, white shirt, and a baby blue jacket. Like, you know, the sports coat, whatever you call it. And we call it a blazer here. <laughs> And it, to me, he just looks like a fucking scientist. <laughs> what were you saying about Emmett Brown earlier? <laughs> <laughs> just forgot his wig. <laughs> it does. It's a very, very odd choice of apparel, I think. There. Yeah. He, what happened to his his tux? Like, for, for the most part, that's always worn on on Nitro. It's his tux. It's classic yeah. tux. Yeah. Like, it, it's so weird. And it comes into play that, uh, towards the end of the episode. Uh, I don't know if you caught this, but we'll we'll we'll. We'll talk about it when we get there. Yes, I don't think I did, but I'm intrigued now. Um, they're shouting that they stand in Nastyville uh, when questioned by Sting and Luger about where their loyalties lie. Right, so, is Nastyville in Florida? I don't know where Nastyville is, to be perfectly yeah. honest. To be honest, because that's where they are. To be <laughs> honest with you, I think a lot of Americans will say that Florida is Nastyville. Oh, yeah. Uh, there you go. I've heard so many bad things about Florida. Like, you know, <laughs> so, some people have called it the armpit of the USA. Like, and and the fucking crime though speaks for itself. There's so many weird fucking crimes that go on. Fucking hell, and that's including like Michigan and uh, <laughs> Texas. And... It's not like it's bad crime. It's just weird fucking crime. Weird crime. <laughs> no, seriously, just look up um, like crime stories in Florida. Like you know, and there's some really fucking weird crimes that happen in that in that state, and it just seems to be set uh, localized in that in that state specifically. It's so many fucking weird shit that goes on there. Cool. I'll yeah. look at that. I'll fucking uh, I'll just, ask, that just ask Robbie. Yes, I will actually. Yeah, yeah. He, he could probably he could probably uh, clue you in. He could clue me in because I can't think of any examples. I just it's always like these news stories that come out about fucking Florida. <laughs> Maybe it's the heat. I don't know. Maybe it just it fucks them all up. Um, Maybe it's the fucking drugs. Yeah, could be the drugs as well. That would be the most logical choice, wouldn't it? Uh, maybe the subtitle guy's on dr- uh, drugs as well because he, he says that Gene says uh, cool campers must prevail, but he doesn't say that. He says cooler heads must prevail. I don't know where you get campers from, but there you go. It's yeah, that fucking shot. Uh, fucking hell, it gets worse from here, dude. Yeah, I ignored it from this point onwards because I knew <laughs> it's going to take the emphasis off the TV program and I can't keep fucking doing it. I uh, literally only have the fucking mental capacity to watch whatever's on the TV, not re- watch the TV and do the subtitles at the same time. Fuck well, me. thank God that I got the subtitles down. <laughs> uh, the nasty, just interject anytime you fucking get one, by the way. Just, just fucking go for it. Um, the Nasties feel aggrieved that WCW wasn't there in their last couple of matches, but who gives a fuck about the last couple of matches because they weren't on Nitro? Anyway... Next up, we're going to see a Glacier extended promo. Is he ever going to fight? 
Next up, we're going to see a singles <laughs> match uh, between Malia Hosaka, who comes out with Sonny Ono, and Medusa. So this is the first match um, in four weeks, I think, for, for Medusa. I think, I think I said a couple of weeks ago that she only has one match a month, according to her database her- history on the internet. And her last match was against Malia Hosaka as well. Aye, good memory. Well played. Yeah. We're told Medusa will take on Bulnacarno in a winner trashes the other one's bike at Hogwild. Um, obviously, they, they put over the fact that Medusa has a Harley Davidson, and they also put over the fact that Bulnacarno has a, a Japanese-constructed device or something something stupid like Right, what, what, the, fuck, what the fuck does she have? A Transformer? <laughs> Yeah, it was really weird that one. Like slightly racially incentive insensitive as well. <laughs> I just genuinely I just genuinely think that uh Tony Schiavone was trying to think of a Japanese brand and just couldn't. He couldn't go with Nissan or Toyota or anything. Yamaha. Like that. Yamaha Fucking, made bikes. Yes, yes, absolutely, yeah. Fucking ridiculous. Um <laughs> he, he probably just thinks Yamaha's made pianos and that's it. <laughs> Is he that cultured? <laughs> Clearly fucking not. Japanese machine of some sort or whatever the fuck he said. Yes. Uh, one uh, thing has to be said, though. In 2021, he's probably aged the best out of all the commentators. Uh, 1,000%. Yeah. Uh, I did see that on Twitter last week, and it was just like, you know, you've got JR, you've got Jerry Lolo who's doing things from time to time, you've got um, Tony Schiavone, uh, and you've got to give it to Tony Schiavone. He's not Mr. Step and everybody still loves his commentary. Like, I don't think I've ever seen anybody say something bad about Tony Schiavone's commentary. Some would argue that his commentary's got even better as well, and I, I would. I ain't got a lot to judge him on, but I completely agree with that, considering what I've heard of his on Natural. And I'm not saying he's been bad, but he, he's not the Tony Schiavone that I know of today. Yeah, yeah. Clearly, uh, clearly, those few years away, what I said, a few years, you were away for nearly 20 years from the wrestling business. Well, yeah, away yeah. from wrestling, but doing baseball and shit like that as well. It's yeah. not like he was under the radar. He was doing shit for like ESPN and all sorts. No, yeah, and working at Starbucks as well. Like, yeah, that as well, yeah. Something that he speaks so fondly of. Yeah, he says like, he misses it, doesn't he? Yeah, but clearly that time away from wrestling did him the world of good. Because he also looks great as well. Like He doesn't look like he's someone that's in his bloody late 50s or what have you. No. You know, he, he, he looks fucking better than Jim Cornette does. <laughs> They're around the fucking same age. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's a lot that people call Jim Cornette an old man, but they don't say that about Tony Schiavone, do they? No, no. And that's it. I mean, he's not he's not that different from what he was in 1996. All right, yeah, he wears the specs and stuff like that. But, you know, it's just, yeah, he's aged a little bit, but fucking hell. He's got the beard. Looks better. Look, certainly aging more gracefully than uh, Jim, Jim Cornette is. Uh, and even... Jim Ross, you know, as, as as much as Jim Ross has been put through the ringer a few times with with uh, disabilities and stuff like that, you've got to give it to Tony Schiavone and um, consummate professional as well. Not fucking Just, surly. Not surly. <laughs> um, plenty of striking in this match early on. Uh, an up and over from Medusa. Usually, as you'd see, Ric Flair do in the corner was completely unexpected. Uh, a hair throw from Hosaka and a monkey flip under the rope too, as the USA chance start. Uh, an ankle lock into a figure four from Hosaka. Oh, I kind of like this oh. because we're kind of we're working the ankle, aren't we? We're working it and we're working it. And to be fair to Medusa, it looks like her, her legs in a very uncomfortable position. Right. And then is that is that what she was doing? Yeah, because like it took her so fucking long. I didn't realize that she was working the ankle. To me, when I was watching it, and I think you was watching this on your phone, weren't you? Because I was watching this on my computer. And... No, I watched this. I watched this in bed last night. I watched part two on my phone earlier on. 
Ah, okay. Well, anyway, I, I, was gonna, I was just assuming that it might have been difference in aspect ratio or what have you. But to me, it looked like that she was struggling to keep hold of Medusa's leg. Right. But, you know, so we got totally different perspectives of this. Either way, like, when she actually did lock in the figure four, that was one of the worst figure fours I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah. You know, so from my perspective, your perspective was like, oh, yeah, she was working the ankle before she locked in the figure four. To me, it looked like she struggled to lock in the figure four. But put it this way, the best way I could describe it personally is like, it was like watching someone trying to cook a 17-pound Christmas turkey with a blowtorch. It was slow to get there, and by the time I got there, it was like, ugh. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Again, Brian Bradshaw, they're painting the pictures. <laughs> I'm just going to start calling him Brian Ross instead of fucking Brian Bradshaw. Um, I don't know. I, I, it made I kind I did think that she was she was kind of just torquing the ankle. Do you know what I mean? To just to like loosen it up. But I agree when she gets into the figure four. From that point, when she starts like trying to put it in position for the figure four, it's almost as if she's forgot how to do it completely. Yeah. Uh, oh. And the commentary goof in this is because uh, Tony accidentally, accidentally calls Sonny on or Sonny Oni. Oni, yeah. And Larry <laughs> can't stop. calls him out about it. <laughs> yeah, he can't, he can't stop fucking talking about it. <laughs> uh, this is the first time we've seen Sonny Ono for a while as well, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I don't really know much about him. I just know uh, Eric. You know, Eric calls him one of his best friends and things like that, but like that. Uh, you know, I've seen him seen him a handful of times on Nitro, but I, I just know very little about the guy. Yeah. Well, here's an interesting fact. He sued WCW for racial discrimination. <laughs> no Genuinely. shit. Yeah. Right. No surprise. He's not, he's not the first I've heard that sued WCW for racial discrimination. Bobby Walker did the exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah. But you, so. I think what Bischoff said was basically they'll do that sort of stuff because they guaranteed a payout because Turner never wants to go to court. They just say, right, how much is he going to... Okay, we want 150000 There you go. No fucking worries. And they'll just pay him off. So they'll just say, right, I'm suing you for this. And they're just like, well, I'll pay him off. We don't even need to get to, to like the first stage. We don't even have to tell the solicitors. Just pay him off. Be fine. I so, wonder if yeah. they still have that philosophy. Uh, I would hope not. <laughs> Especially in 2021 walk culture. Shit a brick. Yeah, I, I, I would just go like, yeah, I didn't like that match on Dynamite last night. I'm fucking suing TNT. You know, I'm <laughs> suing Turner. Like, it was just, it was an insult to my eyes. Get a nice little payout. Well, that's the other thing as well. It's TBS now as well, isn't it? Oh, well, as of next year, yeah. So, yeah, it's WCW 3.0. Can't fucking wait. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, the ankle lock uh, into the figure four from Hosaka here, uh, back to an ankle lock, and Hosaka throws herself back to stretch it out, uh, The mounting, then mounting a prone Medusa to pull her her again. Uh, we cut to a limo. Did we cut to a limo, though, or did they just mention that a limo has arrived? Oh, yeah, there's uh, another limo tease, and it cuts quickly to it. Yeah. And then uh, cuts back. Uh, I'm, to be honest with you, I'm fucking sick of and tired of the limo because they've done fuck all with it. Yes, I agree. They've yeah, been, for weeks. Yeah, now, they're just like... renting limos for no reason. Yeah. Uh, Medusa briefly on top places Hosaka on the top rope and suplexes her off the second rope while Sonny Ono gets onto the apron. Medusa quickly drop kicks him off, I think, but uh, Hosaka jumps yep. on for the pin with Ono holding Medusa's ankle down to help Hosaka get the win in 4 minutes and 30 t- 39 seconds and you win a uh, Hosaka via pinfall. Uh, in a rather missable match, to be honest, I was expecting yeah. more. There was there was actually a moment after the match that made me laugh, and I don't know why. Um, Hasaka and Ono walk past the barbarian who's stirring into the distance, and he catches Hasaka as she walk past, and he's like, "Oh shit!" And then he starts clapping, you know, <laughs> he just starts clapping like, "Yeah, like proper golf clap." It wasn't even enthusiastic clap; it was just a proper golf clap, like, "Yeah, good match." Like. That is not Barbarian's character. No, it's not. Uh, weird. 
yeah really fucking weird but i i just laughed because it, it was just so out of place yeah like, and, why, um, why why do you carry barb why <laughs> i know I, I just i don't know i don't I, I don't know this is just wcw people just do whatever the fuck they want don't they like meng's out there again i, I still can't fathom that like meng where was he last week when everybody was getting battered and this week he's like i will be security for wcw Mate. right right you gave him way too much charisma though because last week it was like <laughs> you know <laughs> you know i i don't know if that's racist or anything but he was just talking gibberish to us it possibly could be but i don't think we've got any le- uh, listeners in tonga so you're probably yeah. going to get away with it to be honest cut it out cut it out <laughs> <laughs> there's probably going to be someone go oh yeah that's racist and i'm going to feel really fucking guilty like i do right now be fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, next up, um, Brian's going to take the next one, which is going to be a singles match between two uh, of the most impressive athletes in WCW at this moment in time, I would I would say, and I would bet on. So take it away, Brian, when you are ready. Oh, yes, this match was a real surprise because uh, when, it, when I opened up the network and I didn't actually full screen it at first, and you get the, you know, the match cards at the bottom, you know, the skip two feature. Yes. And it, it, it advertised Alex Wright in action. So I I expected him to be against someone like Billy Kidman or Bobby Walker or somebody like that. He's actually against Chris Benoit. Yeah. So for a brief moment, I did wonder, just wonder to myself, so why didn't the match card advertise Chris? Oh, of course. Because obviously, <laughs> they're not going to advertise Chris Benoit, are they? Because, well, you know, what he did. Yeah, like, exactly. really weird. So, you know what? It actually worked for me because when, uh, when, it actually, uh, when I heard the Four Horsemen theme, I thought, all oh, right, is he going to wrestle Arn Anderson, who's injured? Nah, he's not wrestling Arn Anderson. It's going to be fucking Mongo. No, it's Chris Benoit. Holy mm. fuck. I, you know, really pumped for this. Um, obviously, he is with Woman and Miss Elizabeth. Elizabeth? Is it, is uh, it, have you got Tony Schiavone-itis there? <laughs> <laughs> Elizabeth. <laughs> I'm going to be like Zabisco all night now. <laughs> I'm just gonna. I'm gonna interject with Elizabeth. Right, you're right. You are not the living legend. Quit it. I... <laughs> oh, that's done me. That has fucking hell. Right, the that's coffee. the last. Let's kick the coffee in as well. That's the last time I type the uh, match cards in italic font. <laughs> I'm just reaching for things to blame it on now. Yeah, from this point onwards, she's just yeah. Liz. Yeah, Liz, you know, never ever call her Miss Elizabeth again. And I, I usually just put Elizabeth or Liz, you yeah. know, and this time I'm like, oh yeah, I'll put Miss Elizabeth because it's formal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I can't fucking pronounce it and very informal. But anyway, she, he is with woman and Liz. <laughs> and I have to say, like, woman looks absolutely stunning here. Like, my like my eyes were on her immediately because she's not dressed in like a normal... A normal formal gown or anything like that. She's actually just less, uh, dressed quite casual for once. Yeah. You know, she's just wearing regular pants, just a jacket, and uh, I don't know how you describe it. Kind of like a crop top, weren't she? And she looked absolutely gorgeous, like, you know, dre- dressed down and all that. Miss Elizabeth's in her bloody sparkly blue dress. You know, she didn't get the memo. You know, we're, we're, we're in grief from last week. You know, we're, we're not bells at the, bo- uh, the ball here, you know? No, not at all. Jeans on top, Liz. Jeans on top. Come on. <laughs> Anyway, that's uh, just that. as well. It would have been it would have been woman's birthday on Tuesday, wouldn't it? So, oh yeah, so I it was that, that was uh, that was mentioned the other day. Yeah, I, I did see that. Uh, completely forgot to write that down. To be honest with you, you know, because it was something that I think you posted something on Twitter about it. 
Wait, on the on we're on the podcast Twitter, and you're on a cart. I can't quite remember. It was on the uh, podcast Twitter. I put her right up there as one of the best valets in the history of the business. I feel like if she was alive today, she'd be teaching managers, young and old, male yeah. and female, how to manage. Thoughts uh, go to her family today, and obviously. Um, retweeted her sister's tweet about her birthday so she would have been 57 years old on tuesday um but yeah i, I yeah that's i mean it's just a fucking damn shame in it but let's yeah. not get too melancholy on it and let's celebrate what she's doing here which is being fucking mega fantastic oh yeah absolutely i mean again she's just selling the after effects from last week still she's still got that that look and i've mentioned this the look in the camera yeah like you know her facial expression say it all but it's like a kind of like a quiver in her lip. You can tell mm. she's just trying to hold it together. It's like that is fucking damn good acting. Like totally. absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal before the match, phenomenal stuff. Anyway, we have an aggressive start with Benoit taking all his anger out on right in the corner with elbows and stomps. Nick Patrick wrestles him away, but he scrambles free. But right catches him blind with a European uppercut. Oh, I put upper alt for some reason here. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking timing is obviously shit lately. And he wears him down in the corner. A scoot slam and a failed pin attempt by Wright, then a snap drop kick, and Benoit has no choice but to take a powder. Cut to the limo again. Fucking God's sake. Just getting really sick and tired. What the hell was that noise? That was the cat jumping up at me. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> she's not a good worker, is she? No, she's not. She's not selling at all. Back in the ring, Benoit is tenacious with vicious headlocks. Some good chain wrestling ensues, then Wright hits what can only be described as a two as two drop kick head scissor takedowns. Like, how the fuck does he do this? Like, he looks like he's know. doing a drop kick, but he just like opens his uh, opens his ankles at the last minute and just wraps his wraps his feet around the opponent's neck and pulls them down. It's absolutely phenomenal. I, I don't think I've ever seen that before. No. I've seen it from right before, but I don't think I've seen it anywhere else. And yeah. it's yeah. always, always brilliant. If I didn't have enough reasons to fucking love this guy, he's, he, we, we need just, to see more of him. It's really disappointing that we're not seeing as much as on. He should be on Nitro. He's just yeah. fucking up there. Hopefully, you know when the cruiserweight division really kicks into gear, we'll see more of them. Yeah, because they don't even mention that he's one of the cruiserweights here, which is a damn fucking shame. He's just a guy. It's like he's part of your cruiserweight division. Uh, division, sell it. Yeah, you know, sell him and sell your cruiserweight division while you're at it. And so mm. fucking Chris Benoit is a cruiserweight as well. Cause there's, that, there's nothing against you saying that. We know he's you know he's a little bit different from all the other cruiserweights, but he's still a cruiserweight. Like you know, I don't understand. Like obviously you know this is again it starts to mean to go on with the cruiserweights because I've heard that they don't really sell it as like they should have done. So you know, uh, but again, I, I'm looking forward to seeing more about out on TV if it gets more appearances. That is, but anyway. Benoit back in control with numerous vicious attacks after Wright launches himself into the turnbuckle, which looks very fucking sore. Right, and mm. this is the kind of thing he's doing on TV as well, like yeah. giving himself, you know, just to make the match look even better. Come yeah. on, put him on TV more. Benoit, uh, Benoit hits a back suplex for a two count. Back in the corner, Benoit headbutts Wright, which uh, made me wince. So Benoit for a while, keeping the faster and aerial Wright grounded. Benoit dumps right onto the top rope, but Wright rallies with a rebound roll-up and is quickly taken care of by Benoit. Abdominal stretch, Wright scrambles out with an arm drag uh, takedown, but again Benoit cuts the rally attempt short. A Steiner recliner by Benoit made me chuckle. (laughs) I don't know if you actually caught this. I did. Um, Yeah, because as Wright tries to screw away, Benoit is riding his back and it just looks like they're playing horsey. (laughs) (laughs) Just really, really funny. It It did take me out of the match a little bit, I must admit. Yeah. 
Uh, scoops on by Benoit, and Jimmy Hart is here, uh, you know, because he has to ruin another fucking match, doesn't he? He's trying to persuade woman uh, to align with him and calls Elizabeth a human mannequin, which is a really, really, really weird description. So, uh, where does Jimmy Hart buy his clothes? You know, obviously he wears fucking quite, uh, I won't say fashionable clothes, but uh, unfashionable clothes, a fashion unto himself, I suppose. You know, I, I assume he gets some custom made. Yeah, but, I know the answer to this as well. I, I read this a couple of weeks ago. I don't know why. Right, I know but, the answer to it. But either way, he's not shopping in fucking Primark, is he? Because <laughs> hu- what kind of other mannequins are there? Apart from human mannequins. Does he think fucking taxidermy is for the purpose of fashion for dogs and cats? <laughs> I, I, I fucking hate Jimmy Hart. I really do. <laughs> Can't stand him. Just fuck off. <sighs> right, right hits, and I hate to say this, a horrible top rope leg drop onto Benoit, who was too far away. I, obviously, I think Benoit's kind of to blame here, but you can also say that Wright is to blame for not pulling him back or going on, the, on to, the, uh, to the top rope that was near to Benoit. They're both to blame in their own ways, I suppose. But anyway, yeah, this top rope leg drop, what happens is, because he's too, uh, Benoit's too far away, Wright has to alter, uh, alter his momentum. Uh, just enough so he didn't inj- injure Benoit himself because he really could have said he could have done a said there. Yeah, you know he could have because it ended up being quite like a stomp. Yeah, uh, he really I thought he was going for a leg drop, which we oh, talked yeah. about a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? As being like, oh, if you don't want to do that, that that looks well, disgusting. That, yeah, that's what he was doing because his legs were in the position for a leg drop, but he pulled his leg back because if he hadn't pulled his leg leg back, then he could have seriously fucking hurt Benoit. But the way he pulls his leg back, he has to do it just enough so he doesn't actually land awkward on it because he could have broken his own leg. Yep. You know, it were, that could have gone really wrong. But it says a lot about outright that he actually spotted that, okay, this ain't going right. So in, in that split second, you know, just snap fingers and snap of the fingers, he just stops himself short. You yeah. know, really, really professional, but fucking hell. Whoa. Again, guys like that, though, they're taking risks like that to try and get somebody to notice them, aren't they? Which I applaud them for. Oh, yeah. But it's very dangerous, and and the height he gets is just ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I didn't really take note of that ridiculous fucking height again. Mm. He's so fucking gold. Anyway, uh, Dean Lanko comes out, and he's grappling with woman, which, you know, it made me winsted that again. Like, it was just not a good match uh, for that kind of thing. You know, for... In hindsight, because we know what happens and all that, and you're yeah. just seeing the two people get involved in, you know, Benoit with the headbutts, you know, that made me win for one reason, and then a uh, woman getting grappled by a man, it's like, you, you just don't want to see it in hindsight. I'm sure at the time it would kind of be something that would have had the, the appropriate effect, I suppose. Mm. Anyway, Benoit leaps out on Brosa with Lenko, and the bell is called for a counter after literally five seconds, which ruined the match for me. Yeah. You know, the match the match was starting to pick up speed, and then there's a count out finish. Is what it is. But after fucking five seconds, really, because you weren't grappling for that long. No, you see, I, I this is where I think I think the official thing is that it's a count out, but I don't think it's a count out. I think it's a DQ. Yeah, but why Which, would it be a DQ either? Like I don't get it. it because it's, Malenko's fighting with Benoit, but it, it does mean that Benoit should have won the, the match because right. he's the one that's being fought with. But the thing is that the bell bell sounded with Benoit going on the attack of him yeah. before Malenko even gets a shot in. Like that it, again, it, this happened a few weeks ago, and it makes no fucking sense. Mm. It's like when the person attacks the uh, competitor in the match, then yes, I you know call for the bell. But 
you know, it, Malenko hadn't even touched Benoit at this point, yeah. you know, and the bells rang. So, yeah, there's miscommunication again. It's weird yeah. in wrestling, isn't it? Because they, sometimes they use the bell as a prop to to sort of add some sort of, like, I don't know. It, it, I don't know I don't know how to describe it, really. So, but it is a prop. Yeah, it's, a, it, it's for the purpose for a finish when needed. I mean, that's 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 not what I'd say it is. No, but that's Obviously, what I mean. that, that is what it is. I, I get what you're saying, but... Um, I don't know. Add emphasis. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like, it, yeah. To give it, a, to give the crowd a little bit more something to to sort of fucking to to not cheer to, but to be more vocal towards. Wow, um, giving the crowd a little something in this company, <laughs> considering last week they didn't give them a fucking TV screen. <laughs> well, it's always been that way in WCW, and it. Some days you get <laughs> you give with one hand and you take with another. <laughs> yeah, quite literally in some cases. <laughs> Oh yeah, but yeah, think... I, I I get what you're saying. Yeah. But yeah, it was a, it was a decent match, but it it left room for a lot more from the two in the future. Yeah, but totally, fucking hell, yeah. like and again, just like dodgy finish and really sell me. And Jimmy Hart fucking coming out for no fucking reason at all. Right, well, you no, know, just just that... to cause just to cause more really friction friction between uh, Benoit and the Dungeon. I I do get that, but it's yeah. kind of like. Why him? Fuck off! And putting woman woman in the middle. So if you listen yeah. to if you listen to what Jimmy's actually saying, he's basically saying, you know, you, you're causing him a lot of pain, and if he's in yeah. pain, I have to hear about it. That's exactly what he says. So he he has a, he has a point in what he's saying. Right. Uh, well, I, I, mean, I miss that. Ways to go about it. Yeah, I yeah. miss that. But I just don't want to see fucking Jimmy Hart interfering in matches. To be honest with you, it's just he just gets on my fucking last nerve. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, right. I agree. I agree with that. He's he's certainly not there in characters when it comes to me. His, his voice is annoying, and his general presence is pretty annoying. But oh yeah, um, fucking every time the giant wins a match and he's fucking running and leaping around, it's like yeah, fuck off. Who do you think you are? He's yeah, like he's it. he's like a fucking cartoon character. I mean, going forward, I, I so obviously he's planted the seeds for yep, um, you and Kevin Sullivan and Chris Benoit. So there's this triangle thing going on. But going forward, the one thing that I've always um, not always wondered, but the one thing I'm going to be intrigued by is how they actually incorporate this idea that the woman and Kevin Sullivan are together, even though one's in the Horseman and one's in the fucking dungeon. Like, are they gonna are they gonna mention on TV like that they were fucking married or, or that they were fucking in a relationship or whatever? Uh, so I'm intrigued by that. That element's actually fucking uh, got me a little bit uh, stumped because I don't recall it ever being mentioned on TV, and it's just sort of like, well, what fans are supposed to just know? Yeah, Do you know what I mean. And it just doesn't make any sense to me, but we'll see. We'll see moving forward. Um, other than that, like the only other thing I was going to mention about that match was, to, and, and again, this I watched this last night, um, but it seemed really rapid to me, like really quick. Yeah, it was on for Jesus, like eight minutes, was it? Fucking something like that. I've got the time written down here now, but it's just um, it's just gone all the way back to the top again. Eight minutes and twenty seconds. Yeah, it it were it were a long match, but it didn't feel like a long match. No, it felt very fast paced, and it's understandable with these two as well. They they're very quick workers. Yeah, um, it wasn't sloppy. Uh, it was it's it was a decent contest in my eyes. I'd love to fucking see him go at it proper. Yeah, I think all the fucking I, stupidity around ringside. I don't know if this was the purpose of WCW the bookers at the time, but to me, I took that as okay, just test the waters with these two, see what they can do, give the fans a little bit of a taste. Yeah. What they can do, so that when you know, give them, give them, the, uh, give them the taste of the ice cream, and later on, give them the whole fucking Sunday. 
Yeah. No, I, I like that analogy. Um, yeah, because I don't want to go for the you know the cherry on top fucking analogy. No. <laughs> it's it's way overused. I go for different things. I go for turkey and blow sto- uh, blow torches. <laughs> <laughs> I agree though. That that's kind of seems like your platform in WCW, doesn't it? So you start off at Saturday night, and then if you do really well in Saturday night, you go on to Nitro, and if you do really well on Nitro, you know you're gonna get pay per view bonus. So um, who knows? Let's let's see what goes moving forward. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping to see Alex Wright on Nitro a lot more and some pay-per-view appearances. Yeah. But I'm not fucking... I'm not getting my hopes up too much because I've been hoping that we'll see more Alex Wright. Well, we've been doing this a year and we've gone through nearly a calendar year of Nitro. You know, we're a month away from a calendar year of Nitro. That is really surprising to me. Like, it's, it's crept up really fucking quick. Yeah. And we've seen Alex Wright in a handful of matches... And one yeah. of them, he didn't even get any offence in because he just got a short slam and got pinned. You know, it yeah against the giant. That obviously I should have said that. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah. It, it, it's such a shame because you've got a real gem here, a real fucking gem. I agree. Uh, again, I say that quite a lot to you, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, agree. this this podcast podcast is boring because all we do is fucking agree with each other. That's true, um, but yeah. He needs to be, he needs to be involved uh, a lot more. And unfortunately, it does look like he, he he does wrestle quite a bit on Saturday night as as it goes. But I know that I know that going down the line, it depends on how you feel about his character. And obviously, you you know about Berlin, don't you? So yeah, yeah, with a why. Um, and he but he do, it, I I do remember him being a little bit more emphasised on Nitro when he was Berlin. Um. Well, so that's kind of uh, Vince Russo's mo. Like yeah. you know, for all his failings, one thing I always that's always really spoken well of in WWE was that he gave everybody a story. And obviously yeah. he, he, he did try to do that in WCW. And again, it's like, it, it, it to me, it's not about giving everybody a story. It's about who you give stories to. Yeah. And sometimes you give story, you know, and he, he's definitely at fault for this, like giving stories to people that no one really gives a shit about. Yeah. You're trying to make, you're trying to make people give a shit about them, but the stories you're giving them are making it worse. Mm. And, yeah, that's literally one of his failings. But it worked for a lack of trying, I suppose. And I, 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 I hear Berlin and I, you know, I, I, I groan. I groan at that. I've seen images of him and I'm like, you know, I you know, I want Das Wunderkid. I don't want Berlin. Yeah. Berlin with a, bloody, uh, with a bodyguard, called the, uh, bodyguard called The Wall, for fuck's sake. Yeah. I, 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 for some reason, I've got, like, some kind of... And I don't even think Vince Russo has to worry all to risk this. But when I hear that, I think, okay, this is going to be something Nazi, isn't it? <laughs> I do. I think that. <laughs> you, never, you don't have the faith in him to just sort of... Uh... Do something tasteful. Yeah, yeah, I get you. <laughs> but it's not It's not like a faith in WCW. It's like a faith in that fucking cunt, Vince Russo. Yeah. And I might, I might be wrong here, but... He's, I um... might be wrong, but he's got a reputation for a reason. No, that that wasn't that wasn't the direction I was going. But okay, fair enough. <laughs> I might be wrong, but wasn't wasn't Alex Wright the the debut opponent for Chris Jericho in WCW? I I have no idea. You're I the have WCW. a funny feeling. You're the WCW guy here, mate. I have a funny feeling. He was the, he was the he was uh, Chris Jericho's first opponent. Was Alex Wright? Well, I'm almost almost certain. I know this sounds really weird, but I liken Alex Wright to X Pac. 
in that it's back in WWE, it was always treated as the, the standard burger. It's like, if you couldn't have a good match with X-Pac, then you can't have a good match with anybody. And that is, you know, that's unfair to say, I suppose, but that's what their 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 position was. That was WWE stance, because X-Pac always had good matches, no matter who he was with. Yeah. You know, and Chris Jericho, his debut match was against X-Pac, and it wasn't a good match, and they had a... a they had something against Chris Jericho for a while as a result. Hmm. And Alex Wright, to me, he looks like the standard bearer of WCW here. And there's other people that could be considered that. But Alex Wright just doesn't have bad matches. Yeah. You yeah. know, he's, he's got that, that X-Pac uh, thing about him where he's like, you know, he, I feel like if you don't have a good match against him, then you're probably not going to have a good match against anybody. And again, that's hmm. wrong. That could be really, really wrong of me to say. And, I, and I'm... I'm I am all for being proven wrong, you know, but you do have these wrestlers that can bring out the best in in the worst opponents. Yeah, yeah. And Alex Wright definitely seems that kind of wrestler. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We'll see what we'll see what the future brings, but I'm almost I'm almost certain that Jericho's going to be uh, in fact Jericho in August now. He must be coming into it soon. Yeah. I think he's I think his debut is in 1997. See, I think it's ninety six. Well, let's stick at it. Let's find out. It's going to be a nice little surprise for us moving forward. So keep listening. Yeah, um, I, I was next... going to say, don't fucking Google it now. No hell no. no, no I've no, got, no. I've got it in the back of my head. It's ninety seven. You got it in the back of your head. It's ninety six. Yeah. Let, you know, let's wait for WCW to prove one of us right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all we've done is go as far as as Hogwild. So we know the card for Hogwild, and obviously a lot of it's mentioned in this episode as well. And also, just to update people, uh, in two weeks' time, because uh, mainly down to me because I'm going away, but in two weeks' time... Well, actually, no, Brian, you can. I'll let you announce this because you know way more about this than I do. Um, but we're going to be doing something a little bit different. Right, well, Mark's going away for a little bit uh, over the next couple of weekends. Uh, I think it's three weekends in a row he's away. I mean, I don't fucking blame you, dude. Like... <laughs> Get away while you fucking can before the, before we get back uh, put back in lockdown because fortunately the the borough that we live in we've got the we've got a um ca- uh, case rates rising again uh, but this time it's the Indian variant of coronavirus so you know we, you never know we might end up back locked down again soon we're, we're hoping not but yeah Mark is going away for the next few weekends so we're a little bit strapped for time what with his work and he's working evening shifts at the moment and. And I work exclusively evening shifts now myself. So, you know, and we also work different days and it just seems like we can't we can't get our schedules together. And fucking hell, we recorded this at probably one o'clock in the morning. So that goes to show you how yep. bad it's been recently. So, you know, and because uh, like the, the most ideal day for me right now to record would be uh, either a Friday or a Sunday. Uh, I think Mark is the same. And if he's away, he's away. Can't, you know we can't record, so uh, you know just just for uh, a, a stopgap, I suppose you want to call it. Yeah, uh, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna do another watch along. It's not gonna be Hog Wild because we've got a very special uh, episode of that coming up. Um, I think you've already announced it on the podcast. Mark is that Beth is gonna be joining us again. Yeah, so look forward to that. So whilst Mark has got a few hours uh, free around packing and what have you for his trip away next week. We're going to go into the art, uh, the archives. Fucking hell. <laughs> I can't talk tonight, guys. I'm, I'm, I'm fucking shattered, dude. 
I think you're you're the same, aren't you? I am uh, getting there, yeah. Yeah, uh, the Arcau. So I think I might, might be a little bit hungry as well because I'm thinking of fucking cheese and chive now. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna go into the archives. Uh, I I did a a little bit of a, a scouting on Wikipedia the other night, uh, looking at uh, very WCW centric WWE pay per views, and what I mean by that is is uh, um, pay per views. That feature uh, heavily feature uh, ex WCW wrestlers all in one show. Uh, talking post uh, uh, invasion angle here, not the invasion specifically because we don't have the big names of the invasion angle. And one of the very top heavy, well WCW heavy shows I came across was Bad Blood 2003. Uh, two, I think I said 2013 there. <laughs> 2003. Fucking hell. Uh, Bad Blood 2003, uh, where we have such matches as Chris Jericho versus Goldberg, Ric Flair versus Shawn Michaels, and Kevin Nash versus Triple H in Hell in a Cell. And I'm fucking jazzed the show because I've never seen it before, and I, I can only assume that Mark has never seen this before. Nope. But what really caught my eye, and I've heard about this, is the redneck triathlon with uh, Steve uh, Steve Austin and Eric Bischoff. That where they have such contests as a bourbon contest and a pie eating contest. So, <laughs> you know, we all know Steve Austin can be when it, when he does the the funny stuff. It's he's generally hilarious. He's, he is an actually funny guy. So I'm really looking forward to that. And, that, and that's what we're doing. That is going to be our next episode. A Bad Blood 2003. Watch along. Yes, and I'm totally looking forward to that. So as this drops on the 22nd, that will drop on the fifth. Uh, the Saturday at usually at the usual time at about seven PM, but we will be recording that le- next Friday. So, yeah, look out for that one. And it's obviously our very first WWE uh, watch along. You're right. Well, so I, I did put forward um, Unbreakable 2005. Yes. But the more the more I think about it, it's like you know, I think I think there is room to look into TNA. You know, the peak of TNA. In the future, in the near future, you know, maybe once uh, Nitro's wrapped up, uh, we could jump straight into some TNA stuff, or we probably just jump into the invasion angle, one or the other. You know, uh, we might just do a side series at some point when we've got more yeah. free time to, yeah. to be able to do it. Who knows, guys? Just saying, like we have discussed doing a bit of TNA, and it's something that we are hundred percent gonna do. Yeah. And I think the peak TNA could be a C- uh, series of its own. So. I, I think, think so. I, I think it's a good call for Mark turning Unbreakable 2005 down. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it, it, it's it's uh, it's just got something that we can elaborate on more, isn't it? So uh, I agree with you again. Uh, we should we should just keep that on keep that simmering on the uh, in the pan at the moment. But we will be doing something like that in the future, and of course we've got other other specials and and things that we've got in the pipeline that we're going to be doing further down the line. But the next one. WWE Bad Blood and or was it WWF Bad Blood? I no, it's know. it's WWE by this point. WWE, right? Okay, so I'm looking forward to that one because I've never seen it before. Um, that this that that was well after I stopped watching. You know, like I said, I've said in the past, like it was Lita and Trish that kept me, you know, knocking around WWE and then Mickey James kind of into it as well. But I, I sort of zoned out after WCW died and you know the the Tr- Trish and Lita feud sort of dissolved. So. I'd be intrigued to see that, especially considering the card that you've just laid out for me. <laughs> right, so we have a tag team match between Christopher, Christopher Nowinski and Rodney Mack with Theodore Wong versus the Dudley Boys. 
it, we have a winner gets Stacey managerial services match. Scott Steiner versus Test with Stacey Keebler. We have an intercontinental title match between Christian and Booker T, Christian the champion. It's a world tag team title match between Kane and Rob Van Dam versus La Resistance, uh, La Resistance which is Rene Dupree and Sylvain Grenier. A singles match between Goldberg and Chris Jericho, Shawn Michaels and Rick Flair, and Triple H versus Kevin Nash for the World Heavyweight title in Hell and Soul. So you know what I mean? A very, very WCW-centric pay-per-view there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like there's literally two matches where you could, where you can you can say there's not really a featured WCW name. I'd say one without a WCW featured name because Teddy Long is manager in one of those matches. So, right, you know. Oh, and uh, Mick Foley's special guest referee in that Hell in a Cell match. So, excellent. Yeah, that makes it even more interesting. So there you have it, folks. That's the fifth of June. That'll drop. Uh, looking forward to that one. Keep your ears peeled, and uh, we're gonna have a lot of fun that day. A lot of fun. <laughs> uh, oh, interestingly, that uh, the date of that pay-per-view was 15th of June 2003. So it's, you know, oh. it's almost 18 years to the day when it's getting released, like 10 yeah. days away. Fucking hell. Happy days. <laughs> that fell quite nicely. Okay, well, let's get back to this Nitro. Let's wrap this up because we've, we've babbled on for quite a while now. Um, yeah, we, we went on about how we... Uh, we, uh, we, we 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 focus on the audio uh, audio quality, and I think we've both just been stuttering and stammering along throughout this. <laughs> we set ourselves up for a fall there, didn't we, buddy? Yeah, a little bit. We'll, we'll try and get it back. Um, Randy it's... Savage versus Lord Stephen Regal, who's come out with Jeeves, or coming oh, out with Jeeves. Fucking um, dream match. Dream match, yes. I was thinking this. Uh, I was really looking forward to it as well. Uh, Savage and NWO colors. The fucking lack yes. of respect for WCW, dude. Yes, that was the first thing I've noted down here. Uh, as Tony's running down how committed he is to WCW, <laughs> and he's wearing black and white, so yeah. A um, couple of respective arm bars back and forth, uh, wrist locks as well, uh, to start off with. Regal with a drop toe hold, seemingly frustrating. Macho, who loses it with right hands, Irex on the ropes and chokes soon after. Uh, Regal gets back on top with a front face lock and throws Macho out of the ring and into the ring post as we head to hour two. However, Eric Bischoff and Bobby the Brain Heenan do not take their seats for hour two, to the surprise of Tony Schiavone. And here comes Sting and Lex Luger. They politely ask if they can sit in the seats that were free. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, there's four seats that are completely free on the TV side. Macho has got the advantage now with Regal going into the seats that Sting and Lex were uh, sat at. They've obviously got up just so that Regal can go and take a seat himself. <laughs> this emphasising the fact that Lex and Sting are there. At this moment, there's uh, a kid that's a couple of seats away from Sting, and all he's doing is shouting, "It's Sting! It's Sting!" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That warmed my heart. Like he's yeah. got the best fucking seat in the whole house. Uh, if you imagine you're a kid and one of your one of your heroes, clearly it's one of his heroes. Sting is just sat a few seats away from you. Like not Lex Luger. No one cares about fucking Lex Luger. He's sat <laughs> closer to him. He's like he's just there shouting, "It's Sting!" And like. Fucking hell, like, I, my heart was so warm for that moment. Yeah, I liked it. I mean, this this is something that still gets me to this day, is that I still, I, and I'm a big, you know, you, you know that I'm a fucking Sting fan or we're a Sting fan, but I always still 
get surprised that people that kids especially like that are just like oh my god it's sting when there's guys like hulk hogan and there's guys like like you said lex luger and everything even though nobody gives a fuck about lex luger he's had way more exposure than stings ever had and yeah. people are still like it's sting oh my god it's sting and it just it, it busts my brain sometimes to think like I... macho man's in the fucking ring macho man's right there and they're like oh my god it's sting just i underestimate and i still do to this day how big of an impact sting has on the wrestling business just because he was so underexposed compared to other wrestlers yeah well going to, uh to your point like savage isn't sat next to you know well nearby the kid i think if savage was actually sat down they'd be going it's randy savage or whatever you know it's the macho man i'm pretty sure he would have been marking out for the savage as well but i think sting it's just his whole persona it's like, he's different from everybody else. I mean, he's wearing this, his unique face paint and, yeah. you know, cool, cool for, genuinely cool for attire. And he's a quintessential good guy. I don't think he's ever been a heel by this point, has he? I don't you know, think so, no. No, so he's, I know when he first started out, he was the underdog to Rick Flair. And that resonates with people. And I think the cool for attire and his good guy persona, uh, good, guy, good guy persona <laughs> in, in, in WCW. <laughs> In WCW, he res- resonates with kids. He's so marketable. Yeah. He's like Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio was so marketable because he had flashy mood set and he wore a mask. Kids will just want that mask. Regardless of the of his mood set, uh, mood set, they would want that mask. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's what it is with Sting. He's, like, he, he's, he's got a great persona, but he looks so different to everybody else and his look alone is marketable. Well, they, they've got up and Regal's been sat down for a little bit. Um, Regal's back up and they go and sit back down. Um, and as we get back into the ring match, Scoop slams Regal, who stays down, and it's a big elbow from the top rope to get the pinfall. For... Which Sting Sting points up to uh, Savage and taps his elbow with a big shit-eating grin on his face. Oh, I did not see that. Oh, yes. fucking ace. Oh, he, he, he gestures for the elbow drop as Macho goes up. I don't think Macho even looks at him. He just points no. up and then just taps his elbow and then pumps <laughs> his pumps his fist like, yeah, fucking drop it. It's like brilliant. Sting's just marking out like a normal fan would. That's ace. I love that. <laughs> I love the idea of that. 6.18 given to this one. Uh, I've flown through it a little bit. Um, but yeah, it wasn't as good as I was expecting it to be. It kind of emphasised the story again uh, of Lex and Sting being there. It, once they came out, the emphasis kind of ended up on them rather than the people in the ring. Yeah. But having said that, nothing, nothing, nothing wrong or bad about the match. No, it was um, decent. Yeah. I, and I after it, I do love Regal's fashions throughout. Uh, fashions. Fucking hell, my nice, buddy. I cannot talk. <laughs> I cannot talk anymore. Uh, Regal's facial expressions throughout this match were absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Just as usual, but it, throughout the match, he he he's just got this proper scowl on his face. Yeah. It's... I focused on when so when when you said that Sting was like oh yeah pointing to the sky and touching the elbow and stuff like that I was actually watching Regal and you if you get a chance go back and watch Regal set, not even he's he's selling what's about to happen and it's super I've never seen anybody do anything like that Regal did it and he was just like oh fuck <laughs> I I think William Regal has the best facial expressions in wrestling history totally. Yeah. Totally. Uh, Judgment Day 2001, it receives a stink face, and you'll know the gif if you see it. Yeah. You know, because it's, it's one of the most famous reaction gifs. And, and, and I mean, in general here, like the disgust, uh, you know, uh, enter disgust on Twitter. It's it's under there. It's under that category. And I think it's like three or four gifs in. 
uh, yeah, it's just uh, uh, Regal receives the stink face off Rikishi, and after the match, he's just stumbling out uh, out the ring, and he's got his this his eyes are just like wide open, but he's <laughs> like it, it's really weird how he does this as well. Like, like it, it's like the muscles are independent of their own. Like his yeah. eyebrow muscles and his eyes are independent from his mouth. Because usually when you when you frown, your mouth frowns with it. Like yeah. here, his eyes are wide agape, but he's got like this. It looks like he's fucking ate a lemon, like where his mouth is, and he's stumbling like he's drunk. It is the one of the best gifts ever, and I fucking love it. And again, it's just regal in his facial expressions. He just—he's all about the comedy, and he knows that he's got like a—I won't say he's a weird-looking guy. I mean, back no. in back in the nineties, he had like a weird look, and now he's like—he's a hunk. He, you know, you look at him now, he's a, he's a good-looking bloke, you know, but he, he's not afraid to ham it up. Yeah. And when he hams it up, he just has the most funny face ever. He's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. I, I think he's in the top five wrestlers of all time, in my top five, just hmm. because of his comedy. His comedy, his facial expressions, that kind of thing. I love him, absolutely love him. That's fair, that's fair. It is, I mean, yeah, there's nothing... There's nothing wrong looking about him, but he, it's almost as if he's trained his face to be able to do that sort of stuff, isn't it? He's got a lot of, uh, he's got a lot of faces, like the, the the five faces of Regal. It's just, yeah, he's <laughs> comical, so comical. Um, yeah, take a look at that. The, 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 as the elbow's about to come onto him, it's just, it's so fucking good, and it's not even facial expressions. It's everything that he does with his body, almost as if like he's less just like, oh shit, it's fucking ace. Um, after that, Licks and Sting are now off to find the limousine. And Sting, uh, when he gets there, he opens the door and sees and pulls out a bouquet of white roses and a sachet spread across the top of it that says condolences. A sachet? You mean a sash? Sorry, yes. Yeah, sa- sa- I actually wrote sachet. Fucking hell. <laughs> someone just poured fucking brown sauce around it. <laughs> uh, condolences on the death of WCW is what the sash says. Brian is absolutely right there, and I just fucking wrote the wrong word. Um <laughs> Next up, Gene is in the ring with Macho and announces he will get the first shot from whoever right. wins the title match. This is what I wild. This is what I was referencing because this was something that went over my head initially, and I did a Google search. When Mean Gene's in the ring to interview Sting, before he before he says anything to Sting, he, he just he cusses out a fan. He just turns around and he goes, "Knock off the Matlock jokes, though, pal from New York." Yeah, yeah, and I um so I Google search Matlock because I don't think it's. I, I don't know if it's ever been shown over here or or, or anything like that. I, I've, I've just heard gen- of it. Is it not in The Simpsons? Yeah. You know, uh, Abe Simpson lo- fucking loves Matlock. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a common meme as well. Like, But anyway, yeah, that's where I'd heard it. I, that's the only place I'd heard it. I didn't even think it was a real show. You know, but um, yeah, it's not a show that's ever been shown over here, I think. If it has, it was shown in the 80s, but obviously in its prime. I don't think... It might even get reruns on ITV4. For, I don't I don't know. I don't watch ITV4, so... Anyway, but yeah, Google search Matt Watt, and Matt Watt wears a baby blue jacket. Oh, right. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't even know what it's about. I just saw the baby blue jacket, and I'm like, okay, I get that reference. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Okay. Um... <laughs> So I, yeah. I, I, in my fan theory is that Mean Gene actually wore that just so he could say that. No one actually cussing him out. He just turned around and just cussed a fan out for, for nothing. Yeah, he probably did. That's why I said New York, innit? Yeah, it's a from, WWF thing. Yeah, pal from New York. Yeah. So yeah, Macho will get a title shot. Whoever wins at Hogwild. Uh, he also states that he is banned from the match as well. Um, 
Macho just starts out with, uh, I cut a deal, only because I had to, uh, and I don't know why I fucking loved it. I just fucking thought that's fucking brilliant yeah, to when, call Macho again, making yeah. a fucking cliche out of something that just fits so well. Yeah, and when he, I can't even remember exactly what he says, but he goes, a little bit, and then he, he re-emphasizes, he goes, a little bit, like, yeah. again, it's just real fucking, real good. Like, I don't real have the, good shit. Yeah, real good shit. I don't have the Macho voice on tonight. <laughs> He then proceeds to put over, quote, his friends, uh, Sting and Lex, making that suspicion of him being the fourth man in the NWO that much bigger. Sting kind of bumbles through this one when he gets the mic, saying that the NWO aren't bad guys as they sent pretty flowers, but says they're uh, they're wrong as he sees a long and fruitful life for WCW. Whoops. <laughs> Sting then sets up to allow Macho to kick the bouquet like a football, and by football we mean American football, not soccer ball. Uh <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I, I mean, they had a little bit of fun with that one. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, Sting wasn't I, good here. Yeah, and when he kick, when he kicks the bouquet, uh, he say, he say, he, he made the football reference. He kicks the bouquet, and uh, Mean Gene deadpan as as you like, just goes, "That's a three pointer." <laughs> yeah, yeah, the poor cameraman as well. It like literally hit the cameraman right in the fucking mush. Yeah, you oh. don't see it. You just see it, like water spray all over the camera that have come from the for flowers. <laughs> Yeah, uh, they, oh. at least they had a bit of fun with it. Yeah, and by the way, Caption's fucking awful again because uh, when uh, Mean Gene says the Giants gonna get, uh, I believe that the Giants gonna get a bigger piece of you than you think. The captions read, "I believe that if the science go to get bigger brains of you than you think." Ugh. <laughs> fucking hell, that just hurt my head even listening to Seriously, it. Seriously, who the fuck is the caption guy? Uh, Pat Patterson, because that's how he fucking talks. <laughs> well, he did. Uh, we play some footage from Saturday night with Fleur and Chavo uh, facing off against each other. And Fleur wouldn't release the figure four, so Eddie's actually come out to save him. Fleur cheap shots him. Eddie cuts a promo on Fleur saying uh, he's lit a fire under him due to his actions and he will take ma- uh, take what matters to him most, which is always with Ric Flair, the gold that's around his waist. Uh, Ray attempts to cut a promo here as well, but stumbles... Which works because Ray's actually holding his head from the Lone Dart incident uh, with Nash the last week. And Eddie takes over and just says, just like Ray's standing here now, uh, we're not just going to lie down and take it. We're going to get up and fight back. Uh, good, 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 good promo here from Eddie. Really, really good promo. Um, I think he saves Ray. So it saves Ray's ass here as well, to be honest. Yeah. It didn't look like Ray was going to get out of this one alive, really. Uh, next up, we're going to see WCW United States heavyweight title on the line. And guess who's back? The booty man. The fucking booty man with the booty babe, aka Kimberly, which Brian's going to be happy about. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I just say uh, on the plus side, Kimberly's back, so rough with this move, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Rick Fleur obviously is the champion. He comes out with Deborah McMichael, Miss Elizabeth, and a woman. And as you said, Deborah McMichael and Miss Elizabeth just looking like fucking prin- princesses. Uh, Disney princess. Pri- now I'm at it. <laughs> Disney princesses, whilst woman's actually dressed for the occasion. Yeah. Uh, uh, I also had to have to know that Deborah didn't come out with Chris Benoit. No, she didn't. She, she came out with Ric Flair. Yeah. Which adds credence to our theory that Mongo has basically sold Deborah to Flair. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I believe it. Um, I believe it. Yeah, mate, that payday, brother. <laughs> so I mean, Booty Man is alive. I mean, they're not married now, so maybe it weren't Kayfabe. That's true. It's only a couple of years and she fucks off to WWF as well, isn't it? So. Yeah, and then Ric Flair sells her to Steve Austin. Be Jeff Jarrett first, wouldn't it? Whoa! I didn't know that. I I don't know if they were. Uh, well, no, he was married to to Jill. Was that her name? 
but weren't there a thing that they were trying to they were trying to put them in a relationship or something like that? I, I always thought that, like they were like it was just a valet thing. Yeah, I I have no idea. I had no idea about what they would have done in WCW. Oh no, it's that Vince Russo was trying to make um, <laughs> make uh, Owen Hart uh, and Deborah a couple. Yeah, yeah, that w- that would have been weird. <laughs> yeah, and Owen was married, weren't he? And he was yeah. just like, absolutely I- not. Yeah, hundred percent. He said, no, nope, won't do it. Good on you, Owen. Good on you. Even it, even in acting, he's like, I can't do that. Don't like yeah. it. You know. Somebody will actually stand up to the fucking booker. I like it. Like that doesn't happen often enough. Obviously, Hulk Hogan does it a lot. And yeah, Hulk Hogan's like, if you pin- pinnacle of the business, you are Hulk Hogan. Owen Hart wasn't. It was mid Carter, but even yeah. he had his fucking morals and would stand up to a fucking booker. Like, I think would do that. I think those morals are what probably prevented him from advancing his career properly, though. Yeah, because I, I yeah. think there was at a time, especially in the in the early early to mid nineties where you could have put the WWE title on him and you could only you could do it for a couple of weeks and it, it would have worked. You could have hmm. you could have had him win the title at WrestleMania. You could have had that match, that classic match between Bret Hart and Owen be for the WWE title and it would have worked. Yeah. You know, because it was it was that good a performer. I I have always said, and people criticise me for this one, but I always thought Owen was better of the two. And the reason, and I know people are going to go and say like, you know, Bret Hart did injure a person. Bret Hart never really had bad matches. I'm not, I'm not I'm not just on about in ring stuff. I'm talking about personality. You know, on the mic, everything, just like the whole character. Owen Hart was better. Yeah, Owen was leaps and bounds better than Bret on yeah. mic. Yeah, character and everything, like, he was just so fucking good at it. He was the complete yeah. package where Bret Hart wasn't. But Bret Hart was just that damn good in the wrestle as a wrestler. You couldn't deny him. Yeah. I think Bret Hart's... The only time Bret Hart was ever really good on the mic was when he turned heel in 1997. Mm-hmm. You know, the America versus Canada storyline. I mean, back then, he was, he was on top form on the mic. And the only reason why he was top form is because all he did was whinge. And it worked because we know what fucking Bret Hart is like. Yeah. The fucking proper winger. That was Bret Hart playing Bret Hart. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, um, the booty man is here and he gets a title shot even though he's not been on Nitro in how long? Uh, <laughs> About three fucking months. Yeah. <laughs> you can also see a lack of shine in Kimberly's eyes too. You can see that she definitely did not like this gimmick as we've detailed on a previous podcast, which would have been a while ago now because we haven't seen booty man for fucking ages. Um, but there is a reason why he's here, but we'll get into it. Tony says he believes Fleur has now shown his true colours after last week uh, and would have the Giant win the title for the good of WCW. Obviously, Larry Zabisco completely disagrees with this. Uh, Orin is back. He comes out from the back, arms strapped up, places a chair down and sits looking at the entranceway to join those lumberjacks outside as Fleur cheap shots booty and keeps the onslaught on as we get in the ring. Mongo and Benoit are next out to come out of the entranceway. Uh, and they guard the entranceway and the palm tree, the infamous palm tree, which which Malenko actually went into earlier. Uh, back in the ring, Booty is getting a bit of a fence in his brain, hits the commentary desk. He asks what the hell is going on, recaps what happened last week and justifies his walking off. He names off a few of the lumberjacks, but asks where Bischoff is. Flair is back on top and gets a figure four on. And Brain says something has definitely happened to Bischoff because it's unlike him to be late or to no-show an event like this. And the horsemen just storm the ring and obliterate the booty man, the friend of Hogan, quote-unquote, as Zabisco says, uh, iron in with the chair, and boom, on the left knee, as lumberjacks continue to look around. Kimberly doesn't know what to do. Fleur kicks out at Tony, who says, I don't know anything. 
And Gene gets in the ring like the proverbial strict father telling them all to stop this carnage right now, especially after <laughs> last week. Uh, <laughs> proper goes for it, doesn't he? Oren says, uh, intense pain is a wonderful thing and that he's got clarity from that attack last week. He quotes the Bible after saying, when he was in the ambulance uh, and saw Flirt, Woman, Bagwell and Sting, he realised they were brought together by necessity and that, quote, when the new world order is put in place, it signals the end of time. He says they should have finished the job when they attacked him last week and that the Horseman Gang ruling is they send one of those to the hospital, you send one of those to the morgue. Benoit says he wasn't breaking down last week but rather a bag of hatred, anger and vengeance. Mongo says he's been known to swing a little metal in his time and that the outsiders should grow eyes in the back of their heads because when the hair raises on the back of their neck, turn around and it will be the Horseman. And Flair finally takes Gene off to the booty so to the booty man <laughs> who's outside getting some attention from medical staff and he proceeds to assault him and tell him to send a message to Hulk Hogan or Hollywood Hogan he says Hogan has now got their attention and pointing at Arn he says here is my best friend you've made a big mistake there is your best friend now come and get him the winner though he's not looking like much of a winner right now is the booty <laughs> man by disqualification in three minutes dead on uh Yes. Yeah, match of the night. <laughs> I saw the. You agree? <laughs> I, I saw the beat man get obliterated, but no, th- th- this was. It wasn't a match. It was more of an angle. Let's be fair, yes. like yeah. you know, classic. But that fucking promo from Martin Anderson, which by the way you didn't mention, Mongo and Benoit, whilst Orin is talking. Uh, Mongo and Benoit and Rick are still fucking pounding the fuck out of beat man in the back. They are, you know. Yeah. And even when Mongo and Benoit come to do their promos, which weren't good, to be honest with you, like, neither are great on the mic. I mean, shocker. No. You know, and they had to follow Arn Anderson, which made it even fucking harder. Rick Floyd is still fucking at it in the back. <laughs> it is absolutely fucking brilliant. And it, it's, a, it's a damn shame that the commentary didn't really sell it enough. Like, fucking Larry, did he, he pieced it all together. It's like, Booty Man is, is Hulk Hogan's friend. And they're mm-hmm. sending a message to Hulk Hogan. That made fucking sense. I wrote down, Booty Man, fourth man of the NWO. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason why I wrote that is because if he weren't beforehand, he's going to fucking join them now, isn't he? Yeah. You've essentially just placed these placed. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Although, having said that, I, I think he just, even without that, he probably would have ended up in it anyway, wouldn't he? Because he's Hulk Hogan's mate. So. Yeah. But yeah, you. I agree. Um, Next up, it's back once again to a week ago where the attack happened. They play more or less the entire fucking segment. And then after that, we're going to see the uh, the next in an NWO paid announcement where they take, um, sorry, they admit to the attack last week. They take shots at Sting and Lex. Uh, Organ's on his knees for some fucking reason here. And, and he was, is it he's getting Lex to do the pause or something? Yeah, like he, that, was beg- he was begging not to be uh, be attacked. Yeah. Um, was another plug for the Hogwild main event, which is obviously the Giant versus Hollywood Hogan for the WCW title, or the NWO title, as Scott Hall's calling it. And Hogan's birthday being the day after. It's actually took Hogan a week to realise that his birthday is the day after the pay-per-view. <laughs> uh, and then it slows to a stop. Right, I, 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 you, you missed one thing. The outsider is singing happy birthday to Hogan. Yes, that does happen. <laughs> Out of fucking key as well. <laughs> happy birthday to... <laughs> it has it, to be, doesn't it? It, it was, just has to be. Honestly, I fucking bust a gut when they did that. Absolutely brilliant. I, I just... I'm in my element right now, Mark. I really am. <laughs> You're liking these segments, aren't Oh, you? yes. They're really good. And they shot really well as well. Yeah. Because they, sh- they, they have to shoot it like it's, you know, it's distorted, it's broken up. 
you know it's unprofessional that's what mm-hmm. the whole purpose of it is unprofessional but it's professionally unprofessional yeah like yeah. there's that there's that time where uh they lower like the the the, the contrast and uh, take away some of the hues to make it even more darker and gritty yeah and every time they do that it just it looks like they just turn the lights out and just shine the light above them and they've probably just really done that but it looks so fucking cool and hulk hogan has never looked more cool in his life <laughs> I, I mean i know that's not hard you know uh, I, I, I'll just point to the Hogwild poster coming up. Our Hogwild poster, not WCW's Hogwild, Hogwild poster. <laughs> I was going to say, because that WCW one just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense anymore, does it? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen the Hogwild poster, so I don't really know. But that, the one that I've made, <laughs> you, you've you seen it. Yeah. It, it's yeah. the antithesis of the NW one, put it that yes. way. <laughs> yes. Uh, just just to clarify as well, folks, uh, the hog wild will be coming. Uh, we haven't decided on a date yet, but the hog wild will be coming. It's just we, we, the reason why we're doing the watch along for Bad Blood is simply because obviously all three of us need to get together and we need to be a, a reasonable time. Obviously, we want to have a beer while we're doing it as well. And we so, want to do it together as well. Ideally, uh, yes, but I'm not sure that'll be happening. No, I'm uh, not sure it's happening, but we're just kind of like at the moment, we've we just got a finger in the, finger in the air with a trying to figure out what 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 fucking hell this analogy has gone south but basically you know we're, we're holding out on hope but we don't think it's going to happen yeah i mean i, I know for a fact beth's being very cautious about she, yeah so she had a jab yesterday so she's got however long she's got to fucking wait now um, yeah yeah and so understandably so yes absolutely um but we are we're, we're hoping to get that down either the, uh, the, the 12th or the 19th wouldn't it uh of june yeah, so either the twelfth or the nineteenth, but we haven't. So stay tuned, stay tuned. We'll let you know about that one. Um, do do do. Where am I? So yes, this uh, this video package slows to a stop, and then you you sort of think, oh, typical WCW. They foot this up as well. Yeah, added in, added in sound effects as well. Yeah, uh, so cheesy. <laughs> we cut back to Tony and Larry as the assistant is running out of camera shot. And Craig Leathers is talking to Tony through the headset, which is actually played on the um, on the broadcast as well. And he says that Sting and Lex have pulled the tape and that they're trying to get a camera back into the van at the back. Sting says to make sure once the camera get, gets back there and Tony's uh, sort of filled in for a couple of seconds, Sting says to make sure that we don't hear any of that trash again and accuses Craig of actually being... Uh, like an NWO member himself <laughs> saying that he's about the money and where are your NWO letters on that stupid shirt? Uh, they leave as there's another guy as well who's taken a phone call and presuming he's talking to either the NWO or somebody else but he's very like you can hear him over everything else so you miss half of what Sting's actually saying until the camera goes closer in and you hear Sting a little bit more. Um, in the end Sting just says there's three pots <laughs> three pot pies and Mountain Dew in their trailer obviously as a reference to what Nash said a couple of weeks ago, uh, as they exit the production truck. Nice fun little segment, I thought. Uh, next up, the WCW title match, which is going to be oh, yeah, another fucking guy that's getting a fucking title shot for no fucking reason. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> this is WCW 1996. So we've just had the booty man, and he's just had a US title shot. So who's going to get a WCW title shot today, Brian? Sergeant Craig Pittman. Yes, thoroughly deserved for just being an American. <laughs> so he's going to face off against the giant who's come out with the uh, the mouth of the South. And Tony says that Bischoff is still missing. 
Uh, I actually wrote, I wonder if he died in a plane crash and will come back at Halloween Havoc to haunt all the wrestlers. What the fuck? Oh, you didn't know about that story? What? Oh, okay. Oh, oh, so oh, Obviously, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Eric Bischoff once submitted the idea, uh, and it was turned down by Turner executives. Uh, this That's how far it went. That Bischoff was going to uh, fake his own death in a plane accident, and then he was going to come back at Halloween Havoc, ha- Halloween Havoc to haunt wrestlers. And that was not a Vince Russo idea. That was an Eric Bischoff idea, and he's admitted to it. And yeah, it got turned down by Bill Bush, was it? I think he said you can't do that. He said it just we we can't hear stuff like that. Fucking hell! I think it like six months later they hired Vince Russo. Oh my god! Wrestling, wrestling, yeah. Um, so the giant wins this one. Uh, really (laughs) it's a common theme this now every giant match is just I just can't do it I can't bring myself to just fucking watch it and write things down yeah you know how it goes he dominates he gets a joke slam he wins yes Um, and I mean I think it's blatantly obvious to everybody going into Hogwild what's going to happen but I really do feel like a title change is necessary now I think 100%. it's got to that point where it is. Um, yeah. You, 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 you find, at this point, uh, Joe needs to knock down the giant. Yes. Unfortunately, Joe's fucking Hulk Hogan. Yeah. But I'm cautiously optimistic. Optimistic. Easy for me to say. Fucking hell. Well, <sighs> you know, if, if Hogan does run off with the title, and we don't know that for sure yet, um, but if Hogan does run off the, with the title, that opens the avenue to, to to multiple things, whereas this same old tried and true giant just mauling over people thing is getting uh, a bit boring now. Um, just getting? Just getting. <laughs> Gene is in. Uh, Jimmy is laughing. He says I'm everybody... running around like a fucking idiot again. Yes. He says everybody always told Hogan what he wanted to hear, whereas Jimmy didn't when he was the manager. But he's cut off as the limo is backing up uh, yes, it, it, I don't even think it fucking left. I think it just moved forward and then moved back again. Giant has barely broke a sweat, and Jimmy all of a sudden isn't so cocky, hiding behind Gene. Uh, it's just a cock. Giant <laughs> says he just sent a message to the world. He was never a nice guy or a role model. He's just here to be the world champion. He firmly puts himself in between heel and face here, I think. Yeah, that's uh, what I put. He is just the Giant. Uh, he then calls out Hall and Nash and says that they should show up to Sturgis if they want to find out what he's about. Well, of course, they're facing Sting and Lex Luger, so why would they not be there? Uh, Glacier promo. It's the same one. And then this is going to be our main event. It's going to be the fucking Nasty Boys <laughs> versus Sting and Lex Luger. And this, this show, fucking hell, it's just been full of fucking people I don't like. Yeah. So this was hella sloppy by the Nasties. As usual, Sting takes most of the Wow, punishment. you and the hot fucking takes... <laughs> thanks <laughs> and that, I don't know how much of this I fucking skipped as well yeah, I just that, know that, that it's just all crap yeah that, that that's the second fucking hot take in two minutes fucking <laughs> chill the fuck out you know we do have sensitive ears listening to this podcast Jesus Christ <laughs> Um. well they're not probably not going to like half of this then as usual Sting takes most of the punishment as the fat people just flab and sweat their way through elbows and splashes <laughs> fuck's sake hot tag to Lex as Nobbs goes off the second rope to the boots of a prawn Sting 
Lex with a spring over the top rope into a drop kick was pretty nice. Um, standing drop kick, he didn't, he didn't actually flatten. Clotheslines all around, and as Lex attempts uh, a torture rack, one of the saggy knobs hits him from behind, prompting Sting. <laughs> right, seriously, I like how you've just taken my name now, Saggy Knobs. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that's canon now. <laughs> of course it is. It has to be, doesn't it? It's just that good. Um, this prompts Sting to now join the melee uh, to the outside. Sags goes for a clothesline. Lex ducks, uh, and he randomly hits Sc- Rick, Sc- Rick, uh, sorry, Rick Steiner, who is out there as a lumberjack now. Steiner reciprocates, allowing Lex to push him back into the ring and Sting to lock on a scorpion deathlock, even though Sting isn't the legal man. Yeah, I, I, I picked up on that. I'm like, did Sting tag in? I didn't nope. see him tag in. Lex no. was the last one. And that's when he did the drop kick, and Sting isn't the legal man. But it doesn't matter. Referee's calling for the belt, and well, Sting and Lex are going to be giving it. Right. Do you care? Um, a part of me cares, but I, no. I, 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 I care about enforcing the rules. I just don't care about the nasty boys. No. By hook or by crook, as long as they lose, I'm not fucking bothered. Yeah. But, Back to the uh, fucking biffa bin with you guys. Yeah. <laughs> just it's just the it's just the continuity aspect that it, it irks me a little bit. But I'm, yeah. I'm willing to give it a, a pass this time. Yeah. After a break, jeans in uh, and the limo is still there. They brought two kids into the ring to flex and get a little rub from Lex and Sting. I probably shouldn't have said a little rub to be honest. That's bizarre when you're talking about children. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sting says it won't be pretty at Hogwild and asks, "Is the limo back?" And are the outsiders in there? Lex is being a bit of a Marty ass about it, while Sting is well up for going down there and seeing what's going on. They both decide to go, with a little bit of help and enforcement from the crowd cheering. And Gene asks if this is a rib. Sting says, absolutely not, this is not a rib. <laughs> like, insider terms, man, ribs. Um, and Gene says, well, he wants to go along as well, so get me a cameraman. Big Bubba, it looks like he's coming along too. But as Sting uh, opens the door, a bag is thrown at him, which has a Turner logo on it with a letter from the NWO inside it. Sting Alex are wondering where the logo is. This so this this what happens is it goes off broadcast, but then there's like exclusive footage or yeah, something like that. It's said at the end. Yeah, after the show exclusive they called it. And I'm like yeah. wow. Because I've heard that the net, uh, the uh, network does this with certain things, certain programming, but it's usually not the wrestling itself. It's usually things like uh like documentaries and things like that, they don't really put after the show exclusive for wrestling shows. Right. Okay. So you know, you I think there's like a separate category for that that type of thing. Type of thing. I'm not so sure, but yeah, this is the first time I've ever seen out like this. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, so it was kind of, I mean, obviously they said there's oh, it's got the Turner logo on it, and then the episode ends. But this this extra footage shows us, uh. Sting and Luger kind of laughing and joking about the fact that the NWO doesn't even have their own logo, but clearly they do because they've read the letter. And they had their logo last week. Yes, exactly. Uh, (laughs) So, yeah, Sting and Luger are just not paying attention here. Um, The ploy, obviously... Oh, wait, one minute. Sting was preoccupied last week, wasn't he? He he was in the ambulance. He didn't see that video. That's true. He didn't see the paid announcement. And the is no TV screen, so we wouldn't have seen it anyway. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll let you off. We'll let yeah. you off. He the obvious... He doesn't watch the Nitro's back, clearly. No, clearly not. The ploy here, obviously, is to, to give the idea that it's Bischoff's bag, isn't it? Yes. Because he's a Turner employee and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, that's basically it. Um, anyway, the rating in this one, uh, close one this week, actually. It's a 3 to Rose 2.8. Uh, not much in it at all, and I will 
go into the raw results straight after Brian gives us a brief synopsis and opinion on this masterpiece of a Nitro that contained exactly six people in it that I do not fucking like and never want to see on a wrestling show ever again. Oh, fucking hell. I think you've just echoed my sentiments right there. <laughs> yeah, it was a uh, below average show, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's just... This is something that we, we've had problems with over the last couple of weeks, is that, obviously, and it happens today, it's always happened in WWE, it even happens on AEW a little bit, but nowhere near as much, because yeah. they, they tend to really, they make like specials out of Nitro, and things like that. But there's always that between pay-per-view malaise, and WCW has suffered with that for the last, uh, I'd say, the last three weeks, you know, where they... They're setting up for the next pay-per-view, but they just don't have a whole lot going on outside of that. Hmm. Like it's all filler and things like that. It's like it's like they're phoning it in. Yeah. And it, it's such a shame when, you know, when you, you have always always time and you have a massive roster at this point, you could do a whole lot more with that. Yeah. It, it's a real shame. What I don't think has helped is all five episodes of Nitro since Bash at the Beach being taken place at the same place. Yep, I agree completely. You know, yep. and I mean, to the untrained eye, you couldn't tell one arena from the other, but you've got that subconscious in the back of the head that they're in different cities at the very least. When you're looking at Disney MGM every single week, it does get a little bit boring. Yeah. Like you, you don't want to see them in the same place every single week. You don't want to see the same faces in the crowd every single week. Which, you know, I, I can't say I've noticed, but I'm pretty sure if I was to go back and watch all five episodes of this Nitro, I'm probably going to see at least a hundred of the same faces if I, if I concentrated enough. See, I think you're going to see very similar faces. Oh, it's very I don't sim- necessarily think that you'd see the same ones, but you de- you, you definitely see s- the same sort of personalities and the same yeah. sort of... Yeah. It, Apart like- from them dickheads that were fucking wrestling in the front row. <laughs> you know, who, who, I've got to be honest now, I miss them. Because they actually offered something that was a little bit out of the ordinary for a Disney MGM sort of fucking crowd, but yeah. generally, I, I would agree with you there. I just, I mean, it's like but, what, it's like watching TNA Impact back in the day. Like, yeah, there was always that that point where you just fucking wish that they, they would just break away for at least one episode. Yeah, you know. But again, they weren't spending five weeks between pay per views. Mm. You know, and we. You know, a lot of those, a lot of those episodes were taped in bulk anyway, so you kind of knew that you had, you had that subconscious thought in your head. But to be honest with you, because they haven't really been away from Disney MGM, you could actually tell me that these five that five episodes were taped in bulk across two or three days, and I'd believe you. Yeah, because it's just been all these episodes have bled into one. Yeah, I mean, obviously we know that that's not what's happened. We know no, that we don't. Live, but unfortunately. Uh, the fact that it's been there five weeks now and it's been live, it's just... We need a change. It's inexplicable to me. Like you said about TNA there, the reason why TNA were doing that is because they were trying to effectively cut costs, whereas WCW actually posted a profit, you know, in in their their last fucking financials. So there's no need to cut costs here. I think think personally what they're doing here is, is they are trying to... Uh, they're trying to balance the sheet just so that Bischoff can do his vanity project of Hogwild because we all know it was a vanity project, but we also know that that was a fully free ticketed event. Right. You made no money from it. You only made money from merch. That that yeah. would make sense. Yeah. So 
I think that's what they've done. I think they've stayed in Disney for for five weeks and and you know used some of their facilities, which obviously makes sense as well. But also, not none of the traveling, so you've saved on that. People who you know, I, I think a lot of wrestlers probably live in Florida. I know, I know, bloody Hogan lives in Clearwater, doesn't he? You know, Sting probably moved down there. I think he had a gym down there with Lex anyway, so he probably lived down there as well. You know, it, it's it's a lot easier. But the fact that they've done it, in my opinion, just for Hogwild, is it kind of pisses me off a little bit, to be honest, because they've sacrificed the quality of the TV show just for this fucking vanity project of a pay-per-view. Yeah. But, and, that, and, and, that, and that's a damn fucking shame. But, yeah. when, but when Tony announced that they're in Wyoming for next uh, Monday's Nitro, I, I nearly fucking got out of my seat and cheered. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, thank fucking God. Disney MGM was... It looked good for the first episode. It served a purpose for last week's episode. Maybe not for the fucking crowd in attendance, but for a TV show, it served a purpose. Hmm. You know, but you could set up trailers or what have you at any other arena and just say, that's a production uh, truck or what have you, or just a, a, a purpose-built locker room and do the exact same thing. But yeah. the fact that it looked, the fact that it was outside... It did have its effect, like outside it in in a in a nice warm state where there's palm trees. Like it looked like something out of GTA San Andreas. Like yeah. th- that's how cool it was. It was a cool effect. But I reiterate, you can do that anywhere. You know, it may have served its purpose, but you can you can do that anywhere. And yeah, yeah, I, I just think yeah, balancing the books for the vanity project of Hogwild, I get it. But it, it's home to show. Yeah, it does. And, and let's and, and let's see like how the pay per view pans out as well, just in case. Yeah, you know, if the pay per view is good, then yeah, fair enough. We right, can, we'll, we can we'll justify it. And yeah. we all know that there's Road Wild next year, so they go back to Sturgis. And I have to wonder if between uh, I don't know if it's between Bash at the Beach and if uh, Road Wild takes uh, takes uh, place at the same time as Hogwild this year, around the same uh, same time. But you have to wonder if they, they do the exact same thing by uh, hosting the Nitros in one place again for several weeks just for the sake of them doing Sturgis all over again. I don't think that happens. Um, don't quote me on it, but I don't think that happens. I think at the height in 1997, they don't stay in the same place. I should hope not. No, because they, 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 they're too, too hot. They had to start fucking... In 1997, they were going to fucking like five figure seated capacity venues you weren't going to fucking disney for 450 people ain't no way ain't no fucking way because you could be fucking traveling and making a shit ton of money to then pay for the vanity project yeah fucking road world road wild 1997 and see see what you're saying as well they're doing it to cut costs you know to um to help balance the books effectively but they were also fucking losing money by only having 450 people in the crowd, and they're probably not paying tickets to actually see Nitro either. Yeah. You know, yeah. so you're losing money on the gate, and arguably you could say you are losing hundreds of thousands of dollars on the gate alone. Yeah. And that's not just for one week, it's for five fucking weeks. Like, you know, so even if they they were doing that for the sake of balancing the books, it still doesn't make complete sense. I would have just... It, to me, it just sounds like cut your losses, continue touring. I think that would have been the most sensible option because at least 
what uh, whatever you're uh, you're spending to tour, you're making back from the gate and merch. Well, not merch sales, I suppose, but you are making back in the gate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the only other thing I could think is that they they reach some sort of agreement to get a a cut of whatever people are paying to get into Disney. But I honestly do not know. And obviously, there must be some facility there, um, in terms of like. TV recording equipment or something like that. There must be a deal in, pra- in place, basically. They must be breaking even. Yeah. At least. At the very least. Um, Otherwise, why do it? And just just to clarify as well, Roll Wild 1997, uh, I'm just looking at the two previous Nitro's locations. I'm not looking at the card. And yeah, we've got uh, West Virginia and Michigan with Road Wild then being in Sturgis and then the week after it's Colorado and Alabama. Oh, so, thank fucking God. Yeah. Um, yeah, they won't be doing any of that fucking silly stuff again. So happy days. Uh, Raw results. Jerry Lawler defeated Aldo Montoya after hitting two power drivers in 2 minutes and 34 seconds. Lawler brought a mic into the ring for the early part of the match and did his own commentary. That is fantastic. That's actually what fucking Booker T does in that TNA episode. Oh, man, i got to fucking see that. After the contest, Lawler forced Montoya to drink a bottle of liquor. Cool. Uh, the body donors Skip and Zip defeated the new Rockers, Marty Jannetty and Leaf Cassidy via disqualification when the Smoking Guns interfered in 8 minutes and 48 seconds. After the bout, the Godwins made the save. Um, WWF Intercontinental Champion Army Johnson, we were speaking about him earlier on, won an 11-man battle royal in six, 16 minutes and 3 seconds. Uh, during the bout, Taker and Mankind appeared fighting in the crowd after their elimination and after the match, Ahmed was attacked by Farouk during an in-ring interview. Uh, due to pre-match stipulations, Ahmed earned a world world title shot for the day after SummerSlam. So SummerSlam's coming up in that uh, thing as well. And I'm surprised you didn't say anything about um, not older Montoya. Who was the other? Leaf Cassidy. Uh, yeah, Al Snow. <laughs> it's, that's the other one I anticipate. Usually, like you know, oh, it's Dutch Mantel. Like, I, oh, I, it's Al Snow. Yeah, I think it's because of uh, I've heard uh, Leaf Cassidy on a recent episode. I think yeah, dropped the name on like a previous card. Yeah, yeah, so, he's, he's been in a couple now. Yeah, yeah. So at this point, it's kind of like I'm just I'm repeating myself. Yeah, oh, oh, I'll snow. <laughs> it's Here. a cliche. It's funny. Right. Okay. Uh, let, let me get it. Oh, I'll snow. There you go. <laughs> Cut that in and put it back. <laughs> it's even better there, mate. Thank you very much. I can go to sleep like happy now. Fantastic. Jesus uh, Christ, if that's what makes you orgasm, you must be really fucking easy to please do. Who said anything about orgasming? <laughs> well, usually you orgasm, you can go to sleep quite soundly afterwards. That's usually what happens, isn't it? We're, we're all men here. This is what happens. You you know, you go, and then you sleep. You uh, know? We do have female listeners. And they'll back me up. <laughs> <laughs> at NitrogenCast, come and fo- give us a follow. At Brian Talks crap as you've just fucking heard actually uh, <laughs> you can go and follow Brian of course go and have a gander at his new studio it's fantastic at some point he's going to open it up to the entire universe and you can come and have a gander yourself um, <laughs> I'm just I'm just pimping your fucking palace out now uh, nitrogencast.com as well is, is the website there hasn't been many updates on that uh, fairly recently but we are going to be having a meeting somewhere down the line to uh, discuss what's going to be happening with the website and everything else as we're moving forward because we've got a lot of things in the pipeline as we keep saying and then I go and book three weekends away so <laughs> you know blame me it's alright it's fine uh, for me Marvellous Mark Ashworth and for Bodacious Brian Bradshaw over there the preceding announcement was paid for by the Nitrogen Podcast Good night, guys <laughs>